0: Hello and welcome back to the Red Special Guitar Podcast, episode number 25. 25 episodes, where has that time gone? It's crazy to me to think I've spoken to 25 different individuals and created 25 different podcast episodes. We have had some amazing guests on. I mean, everyone's been amazing, but not least to mention the main one to get, which was last year in October, which was Sir Brian Harold May, Dr. Sir Brian Harold May, CBE himself who has been who was fantastic and it was so good chatting to him and seeing how that all panned out is an absolutely fantastic thing i would known for quite some time and at some point i will tell the story of how that all happened but for now um yeah just know that it was awesome and continues to be awesome and you know we've had loads of wonderful people from the community from i don't want to name them because i'll forget them all but there's been absolutely loads of people on there and um You guys have been fantastic at sending in suggestions, ideas, putting me in touch with people. It's been really, really fun and really great. Um, So thank you to all of you for doing that. And thank you to the podcast patrons, the originals um, and the guys that have come on over the last sort of 12 months, 18 months. You guys rock. And we've got this lovely little community online. If you are a patron where you can ask questions, get to know who the guests are coming up get to suggest questions, get to ask technical questions, guitar advice, life advice, um, and help each other out. And it's a really safe place where we can, can do some really good things. And we've got some really young people in there. We've got some people that have been in the forum a long time, and we've got the range in between. And it's, it's great. There's a worldwide community of, of people that get to talk podcasts and all things around it. So if you fancy joining them, please do. It costs as little as £3 a month, which is next to nothing, and you can be part of that and help the podcast grow um on to today's guest well today's guest is um is up there with one of the most requested guests that we have and obviously we had brian may last year um so that's number one gone the next one would be nigel knight who we're still trying to convince it is a good idea to get him on the, the podcast so if you know nigel please tell him he needs to get on this podcast so that we can have a chat with him and understand his story and how everything's been interwoven and where he is today and how he's got there it'd be great to get nigel on i know i would like to speak to nigel and have have a chat with him and the third one which is most surprising is me is my story how did i get into all this and how did i do that so without further questioning of myself here's my podcast with me enjoy
1: welcome to the red special guitar podcast i am not john underhill this is john underhill i'm luke holwerda and i've taken over this podcast today as we have a very special treat in store returning listeners you'll be very familiar with this guest it is of course the meetup man the podcast man the man himself
0: john underhill hello john
1: welcome to your podcast
0: (laughs) they're like welcome to this is your life luke i don't know if you get that reference one
1: that's what I was going for.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having yeah, me on. Well, it's a real, a real pleasure to be asked. How, how, is it a pleasure to be asked? How do you feel
1: about being on your own podcast?
0: Oddly, it's probably I'm the third most requested guest after originally Brian and then Nigel Knight <laughs> and now myself. Well, so yeah. current, currently the second most requested guest.
1: And there you go. Well, we've got one more we've got to get.
0: Yeah. But we'll see if, Not... uh,
1: see if anyone regrets asking for this one.
0: <laughs> they probably do already.
1: <laughs> so just to, just as like a bookkeeping thing, um, it's 10 p.m. where I'm at. What time is it where you're at?
0: Um, it's currently just past 5 a.m. I've got up really early because of our schedules to make sure that I can do this before I have to drop the children to school.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I- I'm pretty much wired and I think you're just waking up. So hopefully we'll, we'll meet somewhere in the middle because like I'll start yeah. to crash at some point. <laughs> but well, um, yeah, so anything exciting happened recently? Anyone you talked to that was pretty cool? Do you want to talk about that now? Do you want to save that?
0: So I recently, I mean, recent podcast before this, there should have hopefully been a couple of other guests. Um, One would have been Tim Staffel, who was from, originally from... 1984 and smile um and humpy bong and he was amazing and humpy bong he was more of a guest than i could ever possibly ask for we we spoke a bit about road specials but then just talked about tim's life and career and he, he was really candid and i hope everyone got as much out of it as i did i thought it's a, it's a great episode and then uh, there's another episode with a, a guitaring youtuber called dave simpson from the uk who if you haven't checked out go and check out he's done a few things with the bmg but his channel's all about um other guitar players but you know that was a great episode too great to get dave on and and have a bit of youtube love sharing it's uh, yeah it's, it's really yeah. good but i guess before that which mm. is really what we're getting at um last year <laughs> in october time i um was lucky enough to get brian may on the podcast and or i should say dr sir brian may um dr sir was- or sir doctor Uh, I think it's it's Dr. Brian May CBE. And that was just amazing. (laughs) It's it's one of those things that, I mean, you were guest number one. And I think, you know, you helped me with the podcast quite a bit in those early days. And I think jokingly I said about getting him on and I never kind of thought that I would that quickly. And then, yeah, it's it's a hard one to put into words what it actually means and how you feel about those things. Because it's, I have to pinch myself still to think I spoke to Brian May. For that period of time on a podcast and got to ask him some questions and I got a little bit of time with him before and a little bit of time afterwards and um yeah it's it still hasn't quite sunk in if that makes sense um yeah well
1: I mean I suspect I was kind of hoping to talk to you um a little more after yeah after that episode just because I was I was kind of curious about how, how much how much of a buzz it was and how you were feeling and you know how it how it is compared to um you know meeting other people i mean it's not just meeting someone i mean you had a good long hour conversation with them. so
0: yeah it's really um so the morning before so it was scheduled for like i think one o'clock in the afternoon and i i'd taken the afternoon off work to make sure that i was free to do it and i blocked my calendar out for three hours so I, i didn't have to go and pick the children up i didn't have to do after school club i didn't have to be in work um but that morning was really manic. So the night before, I didn't sleep that well because I was thinking I've got Brian May in the morning. And I yeah. kind of felt like the the weight of the forum was on me because it's that one chance to ask him some questions um, and talk about him and the Red Special and, and building it with his dad. And so I felt a bit of pressure on me to get that right. And I thought a lot about what i would ask him over the years so i had a list of notes on my iphone if i could ask this question that question this question that and I, I just thought too much about what i would ask him i guess and was getting a bit stressed but that morning at work was really busy and there's a, some unforeseen circumstances happened so i meant i was driving around a bit and going to different sites and doing different things and it, it completely took my mind off it until about half an hour before it was time to record the episode and then um, then it sunk in and I actually recorded some video which we'll put in another video at some point of me recording with Brian May about how I was feeling like literally 10 minutes before I sat down with him which is um, pretty honest and then yeah he came on the screen and it, I had to calm down and sort myself out and <laughs> yeah. I actually decide, I decided before he came on that I wasn't going to list out my questions and it. It needed to be what the podcast is, which is a, just a conversation, really, in a chat between two friends. And having watched the episode back, I think I was really pleased that I managed to stick to that. And I think I got more out of him than I would have if I'd just gone. I've got this question about the guitar and what what did you do? Why, sure. When did you put the black tape on? Why did you use those switches? And I, I think we got some deeper stuff from him.
1: Yeah. I, I, um, I met him at a bookstore once he was doing a signing and I drove out from Phoenix just to shake his hand and say, thank you. You know? And I, I was in line and it was this long line of people just curling all around and every now and then you'd get like a peek at him, and people were like, Oh my gosh. You know? And like, as we got closer and closer, people started crying like in line, they just, they're just, they're like, Oh my God, I'm next. I have to say something to them. And I was like, Ugh pretty lame. And then I got up there and I was like, Oh fuck. What, what am I, I going to say to him? Like, I mean, cause like at some point you're just like, I drove here. I literally just wanted to shake his hand and say, thank you. And then I was like, yeah. I have to follow that up with something, you know? So I'll come up with something on the spot and he, he's very sweet and he's very gracious. And like, he, he, he kind of just took over and he's just like, so what are you doing today? You know, what else? Are you doing? <laughs> and it was like, I kind of felt like not that he did that to you, but I felt like he comes in and he's like, I know you're going to need to, we, we need to just set this thing up and, I'll, and I'll, yeah. I'll answer your question and i'll i'll give you some stuff that you need and then we can start chatting and it was like yeah that's great
0: 100 percent that so when when there's i had zoom open and i'd actually been speaking to um a lady to set it up a lady called sally avery frost who is amazing and has been fantastic throughout the whole thing um who works for brian and She'd emailed me like a few minutes before and said, "If he's not there, give me a ring, and I'll find out why he's not on." But <laughs> I sat, I'm, I'm sat there looking at my Zoom, and it comes up, Brian May is trying to enter your room, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I know, I know." We, Luke, you helped me with Andrik put together the um the teaser trailer for the episode, and it, it was like <laughs> a proper. The, although the breath in that was was made up, the uh was properly like that's real, yeah. Um, although we didn't capture it and that was yeah he came on and he's like can you hear me where are you I can (laughs) I couldn't all I could see was like his some gray curly hair and then he moved the screen up a little bit more he's like oh there you are hello John how are you Um, and I was like oh hello Brian how are you and then he proceeded to walk around the room making sure that the light was okay by moving curtains and um Checking what light was on him and asking how the sound was, and then he spent a good few minutes sorting his hair out. <laughs> um, which, <laughs> well,
1: he's done this before.
0: Yeah, well, it completely just like set me at ease, and I was able to ask him how he was and explain what we do on the podcast. And uh, yeah, it, uh, just yeah, true. It, he knew what he was. He knew what he was doing to calm me down enough to ask him sensible questions. And I was yeah, I, just so over so within a few minutes I'd gone from like uber fan to I'm just talking to someone and then I hope it comes yeah. across in the podcast yeah I think you can tell I'm a little bit nervous to begin with and I stumble with my words and questions and then we get into it and it it sort of makes it a lot easier and he made me feel very at ease and like I could ask him anything and I I just then wanted to make sure that I gave a good account of the forum and made sure that he knew what what we all thought of him and what he meant to us. Because I think I often wonder if he's really aware of the five thousand of us on the Facebook forum or what goes on at the meetup. And I just thought he he needs to know what he's inspired us to do, and he needs to know what what we think of him, and actually hear that from someone, and, and try and give him some context behind it all. So it's not just that we're a bunch of anoraks that love this guitar. It's it's deeper than that and it, it means more and we've created this thing online that's very rare and I, I just wanted to get that message across really and I I probably sound a bit like a broken record saying it to him but having been able to stay in touch with him afterwards I can assure everyone watching he is very appreciative of what we're doing and um yeah he's a very lovely chap and uh, you can't say enough nice things about him really it's no
1: but that's but that's the thing is it's it's like um you kind of never know uh, what other people know about themselves or their own reputation or you know <clears throat> how they're viewed and things like that. And I mean, I think Brian is in a different kind of situation. I think people, I think he does know people like him, <laughs> but I think this forum, um, unless he had stumbled across it before, I think it's a pretty a kind of obscure thing. Like, I don't know that there's that many other, guitarists that have like a form dedicated to them and i think that i think the thing is and i think that the differentiation is is it's like it's not it's not like a hero worship thing it's like it, this is just an appreciation for um um the the art behind the guitar you know the the, the engineering that went into it and like then what comes out of it all of these pieces come together because this is a this is a form for owners and players and builders and um it's just a different kind of appreciation and i i feel like that's the kind of thing you know when people says when people say to you, um, you know your thing was great. I really like your song. You're like, thanks, that's cool. You know, but like I, there, there's like a deeper level. I think where, where sometimes there's like a different kind of appreciation that you go, this person kind of gets what I was going for. And I think that's that's I think that came across in the interview. I think you you conveyed that well. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I think you. there is another side of it, which is like, as you said, when when the screen pops up, I mean, there's this image of a person who's only ever lived on a screen for for most of us you know and then you open your computer now that screen's talking to you (laughs) it's got to be a little strange
0: very and it's um that's what i mean and at the time you're conscious of lots of things so i was told i had half an hour with him so i was thinking i need to be like punchy and i need to make sure that i'm sticking to this and if i want to get the best out of him i need to I need to let him talk because no one's come to listen to me, but I also need to try and steer the conversation. But um, what what you wouldn't have seen is that like 45 minutes we stopped and I asked him, is everything okay? You know, we've gone over the time. And he, he said to me, it's all right, John, we've got all afternoon. You ask whatever you want to until you come, <laughs> until you fill the end. Um, obviously we edited that, you edited that out, Luke, but um, <laughs> yes, you did a great job on the episode for me. Um yeah he was just very happy to be there and i think you can tell in him and i've had people say this to me and then then i've reviewed it it's not something that i thought until i re-watched it actually he seemed the most comfortable he has in an interview and he seemed really animated talking about the guitar and he Mm -hmm. got really excited about talking about parts of things that he had done with his dad and with his friends and um yeah he hasn't hasn't talked about before and i think you pointed out to me a long time ago that usually he gets the same questions. Oh, so you built your guitar with your dad and he goes, yeah. And this bit's a bit of the bike saddle and there's some valve springs in here. And they go, oh, that's great. And they move on. And and how's think... it
1: sound? What's it sound like? Like play yeah. it, play it, Brian. <laughs> and it's like, well, hold on a second. There's a whole interesting story here that we just yeah. glossed over. And I mean, it's news and it, and it is people who legitimately are getting five minutes with them because yeah. they cycle them in and out. So it's a different, you know, you kinda have you kind of have to appreciate that fact as well. But I'm always sitting there going, Yeah, but wait a minute, like how did they do all this stuff? Yeah.
0: <laughs> to to have him get excited. And you can see like in his eyes, he gets really excited mm-hmm. talking about it. And so I was there with my drill, my hand drill in a vise and I had some three mil aluminium, which my dad just had around because that's the sort of thing do. And I'm there with my file and I'm doing this and I'm making a roller and just as I get to the other side, nearly done it goes snap. yep (laughs) and i've got to start again and yeah you know those things you you know he knew you would
1: appreciate that because hundred percent you've been there you know
0: yeah (laughs) but it's
1: a different but it's a different interviewer speaking to him you know it's a different kind of person so somebody else's eyes might glaze over but this was like everybody on the forum was thinking oh my gosh this is gold you know
0: and but i just think he was very aware of the situation and, and as you said the the sort of person watching or listening and he was able to answer mm-hmm. those things and be a lot more free with what he was saying and not be constrained himself and it's nice it's interesting when you ask someone a question and they start to answer it and again I think you can see this a little bit you start to answer it with a stock answer and then the brain goes "Yeah, but you can go a bit deeper this time and then you almost seem like look back to his memory and then all of a sudden he, and all this extra stuff comes out and yeah. I think well, th- sort of th- there's that something... smile come on his face.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you, you, you asked him something. You, you know, you kind of teed him up for a joke question at one point. He's like, "Okay, so you want the Queen answer? So let me tell you how Queen started." And then he yeah. kind of was like, it, "Like he was like he was remembering other things because I mean there was things I I don't know every single thing about Queen you know that's ever been said but um there was things in there I was like I don't know that I've heard this before like just just little little tidbits about Roger or about Freddie and it was like you know he was just thinking this is i i can i can elaborate for a second here Where normally yeah. i've got to condense you know like we're four guys you know we we did this but now we're in a band and then yeah. you know we'll rock you you know and it's like you, you're not in that you're not in that arena you you can actually um just just discuss it and it was like every now and then you'd ask him a question and it was like hmm like yeah like i hadn't really thought about that before so let me, let me actually consider what you're asking me and it yeah. was it was just nice to because to, it was it was just like like you've always said the uh, the the purpose of the show is to feel like you're sitting either in the conversation or just listening to the conversation and that's definitely how it felt like you you're to know each other and we're, we're just watching
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i think yeah i mean it stems from really it's having i'm jumping around oh, i'm gonna jump around now but having arranged meetups in the uk and then attending yours that first time in phoenix i know we spent a lot of time in the car on a road trip mm. afterwards and we talked loads of stuff and loads of it was rubbish but a few good things came from it um <laughs> and one of those things was the thought about protecting and recording and recapping or collecting all of the information that we've all got um across across the forum and it I just became very aware that um partly through what i do for work and partly just through thinking a little bit deeper about things that at some point it's very morbid but at some point all this information will be lost for forever unless someone catalogues it or collects it and yeah i i started to think about what the best format would be for that and i know and local know that i did attempt to do some other sort of youtubey stuff where i had like a completely different setup and i'd played with recording ac 30s and doing guitar stuff and trying to make rigs up and, and doing guitar reviews and i just it wasn't really maybe i wasn't ready for it or maybe it wasn't the right thing at the time or maybe i won't do it although i'm hopefully going to be doing a little bit more of it this year um and i just thought that's not the right thing and then it came to me have you obviously you run a podcast which we talked about in you work on a podcast and you have your own podcast and I just thought maybe that's the medium for collecting this information is I can speak to an individual like I would do at the meetup in yeah. at the bar or during the day and I can have a deeper conversation with them about what inspired them. Like when was the first time they heard Queen? What was it about the sound of the guitar that made them go, what guitar is that? Because I remember mine quite vividly and it, it inspired me on to do lots of different things. And Yeah. And so I just thought maybe actually Recording those conversations that happen, those spur of the moment things at the bar when you go and get a drink. Now, oh, so what did you think of this? And you end up spending twenty minutes talking when you went for a drink for a minute. Yeah, um, and get those people's stories because actually, th- this is pretty well documented, and the book has done a fantastic. Simon Bradley and Brian's book has done a great mm-hmm. job of of recapping the story of the Red Special pretty well, and it's got all the detail that you'd want. Um, you can go online and find other stuff out and the forum itself that'll be there forever the Facebook forum is a little bit difficult to navigate as Facebook is but you know you can go and find out about the guitar if you want to Um, and the deeper you go into that you realize that some of the sites don't have the information quite accurate enough if you're like me and you want it as close as possible but what we didn't have was a recollection of the individuals who make up this community and what their stories were and what inspired them and what they've gone on to yeah. do and how they've worked on the guitar how they've met brian and all their own personal sort of journeys with with this and yeah i just thought maybe the podcast is the right thing to do because you can have a chat with someone and ask those questions and and capture it and put it out there and it's a snapshot of them at that point so like yours is now over two years old which is crazy um to think that <laughs> and where's that yeah. gone um <laughs> And you know, two years have happened. So you've done some more things. So maybe we, at some point, can recap and catch up with you. I can see the faux fawn AC30 with an MV50 sitting in the background, <laughs> which, which yeah. um, you built and put together. And I think you were building when I was first in Phoenix, mm-hmm. the first meetup. So you know, you've done more since then. But I think it's it's captured the bulk of your story up until that point. And then to add bits isn't as difficult as it
1: well. But you know, there's something to that too, because um, you know he said said it was it's slightly morbid to to think about this, but um, I won't go into my podcast. But we have interviewed people, and um, some of them are pretty old, you know, and um, some of them have died since we've interviewed them, and we've actually gotten um, stories and, and data that only they had because it was yep. just personal experiences um, that. You know, would be gone. Not not that we're just this great repertory, repository of, of of great data or anything, but it's like it's just it's just bizarre to think that like if we if maybe if we didn't record it, it would just be gone. We we're actually putting a podcast out soon, and we're working on it right now, and uh, we're doing a biography for someone, and we there's no um, there's no birth date for her listed anywhere online. So w- we checked in with her; she didn't remember even speaking to us. <laughs> she didn't remember the show. Like so, already things are are missing, and yeah. uh, so so it, it's it may be morbid, but it's also a reality, you know. So it, it, and but but to, also to that, it's getting that that kind of um, those kind of personal stories. Um, they lead into the influence into how something was made, and so like that's what's yeah. really interesting about it. Because looking at the guitar, um, you could look at the guitar from any angle, and it's objectively interesting and pretty, and it sounds great. But, but the decisions behind those things, that's always what I've been interested in, because I've studied it long enough that I know most of the ins and outs, but now I want to know why things are the way they
0: are. Yeah. No, definitely. And it's, you know, and you, I probably didn't get on to that too much with Brian. I didn't, um, when I spoke to him, I didn't want to get in too into the nitty gritty of it because I I didn't know how he would react to that and i i had a limited amount of time and i wanted to capture what i you got could like me, go but... so far into the weeds but um <laughs> we um y- you never know what could happen in the future i'll say that and mm-hmm. it you know it's yeah it's a, it's a great thing though luke and i think as well for me with the, brian's really well documented and the guitar is really well documented but some of the people we've had on the podcast that make up the forum, like Doug short to actually, you know, we've all seen Doug's fantastic website, DSGB.net. And we've all watched his CNC videos and his he most recent videos. And he did help both of us. Um, But to actually get to speak to him and listen to him talk about his process in his podcast and how he thinks about things and works things through unless you hear it straight from the horse's mouth. I oh yeah, until you hear it straight from the horse's mouth, I think you're missing out on some of the some of the wonderful things that Doug has done for the community and continue to inspire people to do. And I think it's the same for everyone. Until you hear it directly from them and understand who they are as a human and what's driven them to do that. And you realize actually, although Doug's at a slightly different angle than I am, he was inspired pretty much in the same way I was. Mm-hmm. Um And to capture his story for people and to, yeah, I, as an example, Doug's a great example. And then someone like Andrew Morgan at A-Strings and to track his history with Queen and that wonderful story about his guild and that his Nan got him and she's no longer with us um, and how then he's gone on to create A-Strings and, and opened a shop or opened a website, opened a shop worked with Brian May and Pete Malandrone and, you know, it's just great to capture that because it is part of the history of it and it's it's part of that history that isn't necessarily important to everyone but to us in our local yeah but it's 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 always
1: interesting it's always interesting because like i think of um anytime i meet someone who's a big queen fan or queen is their favorite band um i i'm always kind of struck by like who's number two in that list you know because because there's something kind of um unifying I think about being a Queen fan. Like we, we all feel like we're in the same group, and then someone talks about someone else, and you're like, "What?" what? <laughs> like, so it's always interesting to see how they wound up on Queen. And I mean, just to use Doug as an example, it's it's uh, it's just knowing Doug as well as I know him now. Um, it you know, it it was, it was a fun to listen to his journey about finding yeah. Queen and then making it to the guitar because he could have wound up somewhere else. And and if you care about Doug, then now you have the story. If you don't Definitely. have the opportunity to speak with him.
0: Well, and I think my own thing slightly for doing some of this is it's something to look back on in years to come when I'm older and go, I spent my time trying to keep the forum going by informing people and providing information about the people that, make up the forum. so doug's one of them yourself obviously jonathan planner who's a, an absolutely fantastic chap um mm-hmm. woody and ron who do all the work now for the bmg supplying parts and help loads of people matt netherwood making pickups um ariel is a fantastic guest and she's doing fantastic things at the moment andy guyton making the time warps and just generally lovely pete Malandrone, who works for... it's just capturing all those stories for future generations so if if someone in 20 years listens to we Rock rocky and goes wow that guitar sound that's absolutely amazing what who is that band and they find queen and they find the red the the red special and they go oh brian's no longer here what's the information how do i find out They stumble on the forum and they go oh wow there's all these people that used to work for him or created this thing that i now love in 20 years time 30 years ago whatever it is You've still got the history of the forum, although not necessarily collated on a website about who did what when. But right, you can right. go and listen. It's an and, but... yeah, but you can go and listen to those people speak and hear it directly from their mouth, and it's not been yep. diluted or the, taken out of context or And It's you go and Same. hear that yep. person. Well,
1: the great, the other great thing is, is um, because of the way, uh, love it or hate it, the algorithms on the internet work, um. You know, you said all those people, but Ariel specifically, um, she's reaching a whole different market, let's say, you know, community of people herself with her own music. But anyone who then dives into her music and her background and her guitar will go, So wait, why did she build this guitar like this? And then, you know, yeah. travel backwards and she she you know, they find your podcast with her, um, and then start to find everybody else's, then yeah. that's a that's a new queen fan being born. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hundred percent. And it's you know and that's that's the fun of it and that's that's the interesting thing is you i've talked about all the old heads that we've interviewed on the podcast and are my friends i've spoken to for years and you know the people i go to but then you've got the likes of andrek who now edits the podcast for me um who is a 17 year old kid in california who's just mm-hmm. into it pretty much off the we'll hear from him at some point i'm sure um he's got just the hair off yeah, he's got the hair. He's building the guitar. He's <laughs> got the amps. He's a absolutely phenomenal player for his age. Really lovely chap. Really, like, you couldn't ask to meet a nicer guy. I know you've been yeah. doing some work with him um, mm-hmm. on the US meetup for 2023 as well. And, you know, he's fresh into all this. And he's got all this learning to do. But he's got an idea of who everyone is already and, and what makes people tick. And you've got names... On the like famous people in the forum, like Mark Reynolds and Peter Mikulowski and Mike Ride and these names that get bandied around. That if someone says something, then that must be the, the right thing because that person said it. And you get to listen to those people and have an introduction to them. So if you were to attend a meetup and see yourself or any of the people that I've met, you know straight away what they're like and what yeah what they what they sound well, I... like. And it's less difficult thing. Hi Luke, I'm John from the UK. I, you don't know yeah. me, but I've
1: watched all your videos. I, I saw your podcast, and yeah, I I was at your meetup, and I was introducing myself to people, and uh, more than once somebody said, "You're Luke," and I was like, "Ah," <laughs> so there you go. It's like, well, you just you just you know you've just kind of gone over a hump. Of like, okay, don't need to explain all that then, you know. So it's nice. I mean, should yeah. we explain? Uh, is this redundant? I mean, the only reason I think about this is because people who may have found your podcast because of Brian, should you explain what the meetup is? Cause we just keep throwing this term around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's a good point. So every, so uh, when did I, well, the meetup is the red special guitar meetup and the one that I, so I arrange it in the UK in recent years. Um, it actually started in 2002, January, 2002, a chap called Adam Bent who was at last year's UK meetup. We the first ever up in Sheffield. And it pretty much set the, the theme out for how they were, they've all been really. And I've just basically borrowed some of his ideas and, and brought them forward. But the idea is that people of the Red Special community that want to get together in person, which was born on the internet, to try and break down some barriers and also to go, this is my guitar and this is what I've done. And this is my amp. and. Um, show off in person because you can only do so much through video and, and pictures and forum posts and facebook posts yeah um <laughs> before she goes i'm not interested just go outside and get on with it just go um, play yeah um it was to get people together in a room and like show each other each other's guitars and get to know each other a little bit more so that when you are communicating on the forum or by social media that you've got a better understanding of that that individual I don't think necessarily that was the initial intention, but it certainly helped throughout the years. So Adam did the first one in 2002 in Sheffield. It's been done various iterations over the years since then. So we're now in 2023. So meetups are 21 years old this year. Um, and yeah, you come along, whether you're a guitar player or you built a guitar or you're just interested in Queen or you're being dragged along by your dad. Um And mm-hmm you go into a room and usually there's red specials from everyone. Like it's a bit like a jumble sale or a yard sale, or whatever you would call it, depending yeah. where you're car show. Imagine tables around the outside of a room and on them is a red special and whatever you have bought. And there's the, depending on which one you go to between 30 and 60 odd people and mm-hmm. everyone's wandering around going, then this is my Guyton time warp. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've had it for uh, two years now. I'm um, yeah you can play it if you want um yeah <laughs> you no know, everyone's brilliant you see and yeah people get to play all the different brands of red specials so there's homemades, Guytons, kz's um, supers kz supers dan sands raymond's luke's famous guitar from the internet that he built and doug's famous guitar that he built and like everything and anything that's been inspired yeah. by brian there's fantastic builders there Julian Hemingway Peter Cole Mark Reynolds um, and Lee Spate I could go on forever of the list of people that have attended that have built fantastic instruments and it's such a dedication to do it and then want to actually show it off Um, and everyone comes along and we all talk about that and then what I've done in recent years and I think I've arranged five now in, in six years so this in 2023 will be the sixth one because we had one year out for COVID. And what I've done is I've I just added a few extra bits to the day to try and make it um not, I wouldn't say a bit more special, but to give a bit of direction. And yeah. what I've done is I have a set a few set pieces and some guests turn up. So you come in and sit down or like mingle and chat. Yeah. Um and then I'll interrupt everyone just give everyone a brief intro, of what's going to happen in the day and the likely things to go on and some timings. And then I'll stop everyone chatting a bit later on and we'll do a demo on what the Starlake sound is and how we achieve that if you want to, or then we might break again for a bit and then come back and demo some new tap products from Nigel Knight. And then we might have a guest speaker like Ariel turn up or, um, Justin Shirley Smith or Pete Malandrone, or Simon Bradley name drop a few people and we get to (laughs) (laughs) and we get to talk to them about something that's been going on recently or that they're into at the moment or that they've been doing with Brian or or it's like topical or and people get to ask. So I will chat to them very much in a condensed podcast style and then people they usually will let me say, has anyone got any questions? And then I'll answer questions and they stay and mingle and chat to people in the room. And then once we've done all that in the afternoon we have a big band section and if it's worked out, it's been pre-arranged, who's doing what, when, and then um, we get together last year. uh, Normally Dan Thomas would arrange it, but last year he was unable to attend so Paul Cottrell and his son Josh arranged it and Paul did a fantastic job of keeping that going and Josh, Paul's son, was absolutely fantastic all day at not only playing the drums and then in some of the songs (laughs) and just being i mean for a, a young kid being so interested in what was going on and being great but also being really helpful in like yeah coming to find you if your your bit was next, um, you're, you're next. Yeah. He,
1: he was also great at the rock and roll ending Is what i call him yeah the big the big drum ending yeah
0: he, he yeah that. that kid he knows what he's doing he's gonna go places he's he's played good, he's Definitely. already played drums for some cool people um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So and and then we have the band section. And then what happens is we stop, we close down, and then we all hopefully go back to the hotel we were staying at. And the night continues with no guitars, where you just keep chatting. And what I forgot to mention was the best way to experience the meetup is to go to the Friday night before, where you get all those introductions mm. out of the way and you chat about all the how to drive. <laughs> yeah. And so then, when you get to the meetup in the morning, you've already said hello to everyone. You know who ninety percent of the people are, and you can get straight into talking about guitars rather than uh, "Hi, Luke. I'm John. I've come all the way from Devon. How are yeah. you?" And then um, that was COVID. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite yeah. a lot. And and it's yeah, it's a great thing. It's I again. I set out originally to do it because I wanted to spend some time with my friends in the Red Special world after having a hiatus for a few years um, where some stuff in my life happened and I needed to sort myself out and I had fallen into the Red Special rabbit hole and I'd gone I don't need this at the moment I need to sort my my life out so I, I put it all to one side I actually sold most of the stuff I had and kind of forgot about it for a bit which is exactly what I needed not because it was causing any problems just I needed the focus to do yeah. some other things and then come back to it and um, when I did I I asked if anyone would want to come to the meetup Sean Lever said oh yeah I'll, I'll come and I'll, I'll help you ring today." <laughs> um he did a little bit I probably didn't disservice and he didn't do anything but um, Sean helped a little bit we found so he helped me decide on what sort of location we wanted and we, we really thought that if we were likely to get some of the Europeans come across it would be good if it was close-ish to an airport Mm-hmm. Um, but also we had everyone traveling and i was coming from devon so i could hold it in devon but that seemed unfair we've got people like doug from scotland and we really think U- uk and europe and we happened upon reading just because it's it's closest to london but it's pretty it's just outside so it's easy enough to get to um if and it's you're remote coming... enough
1: you're not going to bother people to where you're at. yeah
0: definitely and the um we happened across the village hall and it's we liked it because it it was remote as you said um it had just about the right enough space we thought for what we wanted and it had a bar so that people could get a <laughs> drink part way through yeah. which is high on the list and we so we took a chance in the village hall that year we booked a hotel nearby which isn't the one that we stay at now and the first year went on i think we had about 18 people there and i was overwhelmed with the how it went and the support we got and who showed up and it was great and it was such a good feeling afterwards from everyone and i was like this is brilliant we could i'll do another one next year
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and we did that and so we got managed to get andy guyton to come along and we got the um some super secret video which has never been shown which will never be shown again um shown <laughs> to us and um yep. we did some stuff and it, it was it was brilliant and more people turned up and then the following year we did it again and some more people turned up and each time we changed a few things and got a bit better and then I think it was around that point I decided that if I was going to do this properly then I needed some help to do it not necessarily because I needed the help but I would like to involve a wide variety of people from the community to make sure it's not mm-hmm. just what I want from the day and it actually it's it's what everyone wants so i I thought long and hard and picked various people I thought I could work with and trust that had attended the meetups. And I put together what is now known as the fantastic five. I think they call themselves which is just <laughs> a, a little community of people from the forum that have been to the meetups and love that coming to them and understand and get from the same perspective as me, what, what they're there for. And we decide on things like what's going on in the day and <clears throat> the hotel and trying to work on things together. And they're there on the day to help me so I don't have to do everything myself. And I communicate with them about all the decisions that I make. So giving the title Friends Will Be Friends last year was something, although it it would seem from the outside that maybe I came up with it. I think I did, but I put it to them with some other suggestions and we had a conversation about what we all thought about it. And it seems like a, an insignificant thing, but I think it's really important to get the buy-in from four or five other people Yeah, that, that the idea is a good one. And that then on the day, we've got that collective view on why we're all there. And I, I think that works really well. And there's other people then that know why we're doing what we're doing. And if you go back from not just what the meetup is, but why it's there and why it's important, and you've got more people there on the day to help bring that message across i think it works really well and it yeah so that's a meetup so it's a fantastic thing you can check out there's one in phoenix in uh, april april
1: april yeah so i i had been um on the forum and watching all the fun you guys are having over there and uh i i did kind of what you what you did but i just said would anybody else put this thing on? Cause I just want to go to one. I just want to show up and see. It. I mean, frankly, I, I am the, you know, that other part of you, which is like, I just wanted to go play everyone's guitar. Like I just wanted to see them all, you know, look at things, close up. And um I wanted to see a guild really bad. Cause like when I was in school, the best the, the closest you could get was that guild. Um, and uh two, you know, two two meetups later, Gonzalo came through and brought his guild out. And I was like, okay, that made it all worth it. Cause I've been waiting for, I don't know, 20 something years now just to be able to play that guitar. And it was, it was great. But um, yeah, I mean, it definitely started that way of like, I just want to see gear. I just want to be in a room with all these things. And then obviously it turned into what you're, what you're talking about now and like what the reason for this podcast is is because you just meet these people and you realize you have a lot more things in common than just one guitar. And uh, it's it's nice to see them again. And uh, yeah. I'm doing the same thing you're doing this time. Finally, around uh, the second time for me, I've got a little group, and we're planning the next one. And April 29th in Phoenix, and it's only in Phoenix because no one else <laughs> offered to take it up. And I basically just said, well, if I'm doing it, it's in Phoenix. We're, there's no there's no driving close enough yeah. to anywhere that's that's great for anyone else. So Phoenix, Phoenix, or someone else puts it on. <laughs>
0: It's it's been really fun. I've been lucky enough to come to the last or the first two that you put on, yeah, um, and they were. What was nice was the first one especially was that I didn't have anything to do. Although I think in the end I ended up helping, (laughs) Um, but that was (laughs) more of an on the on the day thing. Um, It was an on
1: the day thing because uh, everybody in the room, probably including me, was just kind of bewildered that it was actually happening, you know? (laughs) And we were in this weird room where the lights, the the strobe lights, and the disco lights couldn't turn off. So it was just, we were all just being hypnotized by the lights. And then John was like, Do you want me to start the thing? And we're just like, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, (laughs) we're just here. And so, I mean, it was fun, but it was basically, I was the only one to play guitar the whole day because no one else wanted to play. But it yeah. was uh, everybody had a good time. Everybody said they had a good time, and it was like, yeah, That's it's it's begins. surprisingly positive experience.
0: Definitely, well, it's, you don't know what to expect from them. And I, the big one of the, I mean, one of the biggest questions I get for people that are new attending uh, is what actually happens and what do I expect? And yeah. Um, you, you, I, the, all the things I said at the beginning about Meetup, whether or not you play guitar, you just love Brian May, you built your own Red Special, you bought a Time Warp, you bought a Dan Santi, whatever. Everyone says, well, "I don't know if I'll really enjoy it or if I'll fit in because I don't <laughs> really do this and I've never played with a band." I'm like, if you've never played with a band, today's your lucky day because you can get up on stage with no judgment and play with a band and they've never played together before, so you're in exactly the same boat. No one cares if it goes right or wrong because exactly. everyone just appreciates that you're having fun and you've never played with a band before. So actually it's probably better if you haven't, because then you can come along and try it and see what it's all about. It that I think, frankly,
1: I, I think I found that kind of maybe the most rewarding part of it, especially uh, for, for other people, because um, you've sat in your room, playing will rock you by yourself and it's fun you play, play into the record it's fun but like when you've actually got drums there and you've got the big rig and whether or not people are watching whether or not the lights are strobing it's just fun to actually work it out and yeah. and and feel the guitar vibrating in your hands and just go yeah this is cool because that i think that will either kind of lock you on the path to like i'm going to do this more or or it's trial by fire and you're like meh but i'll stay in my bedroom but it's fine um but uh, but it is that that experience of like uh nobody really cares because we've all been there so there's no judgment no, nobody's paying to see you play we're just you're just having a good time and uh as evidenced by when uh you tapped me on the shoulder at the last meetup and you're like <laughs> you're up <laughs> and and i had forgot that you asked me to learn the baseline to father to son
0: and uh I crashed and burned, but I was having a good time. Yeah. I kind <laughs> of... Nobody, I, nobody cared. <laughs> no. And, I, you know, Satsuki who came all the way from Japan, who'd asked mm-hmm. someone to play it, and you would said yes to. I mean, I, he was... I mean, there was loads of great things at the meetup last year, but one of the best things for me was seeing this young guy from Japan, um Koucher. Came culture, all by himself all the way from japan on his own and he turned up at the hotel and introduced himself and then was quite nervous around us all but then by the time we got to the band section and he played the next morning and into the night that night of the meeting he's like a different guy he's so much more yeah. relaxed in our company and um you know you got a lot more respect for him and his playing now you watched him some of the videos he's putting out and he's blimey satsuki you've either been inspired by everything or you've just been working really hard but like or he's been keeping his light under a bushel yeah definitely but to as a outsider watching to stitch you up and tap you on the shoulder and remind you you're going (laughs) to play it to see him get excited about playing it and the fact that you were there doing it and what it meant to him it doesn't really matter what your experience is yourself because nope. that guy that you've just helped out, even if you don't necessarily think you've done it right and it's messed up a little bit, he was so pleased to get to play with people. It's, it's yeah. worth it, 100%. I, I mean, it.
1: I, I was, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was, I was thrilled to, to, to help him out and he, I don't know if I did, but um, I just thought like, man, that, that was a, uh, to, 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 uh, to come all the way from Japan and to go, you know we're going to play? Father to son. Yeah. six minute epic <laughs> let's figure it out <laughs> it was like wow okay i mean yeah i'm definitely not going to check it out if you're going to do it in front of all these people yeah. i'll do it i mean clinton yeah. was there Pete was there at some point
0: you know yeah. it was like
1: it's okay it's fine
0: we're just doing yeah. it no it's good it's fun i mean and yeah, no, no, i rewarded you later we got to play guitar with ariel and play yeah. the forbidden song tie mother <laughs> down um which is which is awesome and yeah it's just nice isn't it you see these little like i remember the year before which you weren't at um it's, it's i don't want to do disservice to it or make it seem trivial but one of the highlights for me was seeing Lee Spate and Doug Short get to spend the evening together on the table at the meetup meal and yeah. it's like the perfect match of people to speak to each other <laughs> about building guitars and electronics and yeah, two, go- two gentlemen with very similar thought processes on how things should be done that had never met in person. You put them together on a table and you kind of check in every now and again. i am always still responsible for the whole weekend. So you'll like, excuse me yeah. if you find me at your table going, how are you? You having fun? Is there anything you need to <laughs> be doing? Everything yeah. okay um, here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to see those two, like, I don't know. I was just watching them that night and you could just see the, the level of conversation going up and the smiles coming out and things like that, you, you can't buy those things. You can't, you know, it's, and it's just great to see it. And you're bringing people together um, with similar interests and, and chucking them into those situations yeah. and realizing they've got a lot more in common and you're building, helping build those friendships that last across not just the forum about the red special, but like us, Luke, we've, i generally mean we speak most days pretty much by a messenger about mm-hmm. something and yes we talk about the red special and and all those things but we, we talk about loads of other stuff as well mainly movies and quoting film lines to each other but um yeah there's a whole host of other things that it's, that it's brought us together to do and gone on to, to put together that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't done it and it's just fun- yeah. fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think I I think I um we mainly started talking because I was like uh all right, so I'm going to do a meetup um can I have all your notes, you know? Yeah. No. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it, kind of where it came from. So, um next year's meetup, I mean, are you going to change anything? Is there going to be any um,
0: change ups. So, I mean, I could probably say now in this one because it, although it's january by the time this comes out it'll be a bit later a bit closer to us releasing it so um only real big change this year is we're not is ticket sales we're going to release ticket sales to the people that attended last year first yeah. to see if they take them up um the numbers are still going to be limited like last year to 65 because that's a good number and it it just about worked last year so we don't want to go mad and invite a hundred people and then the room and the they feel feel wrong. And I think it's with the venue and um the amount of guitars and people it just about just about worked. And the
2: yeah.
0: the considerations are if the weather's not very good, we haven't we can't break out into the outside to have conversations. Everyone's gonna be inside so can the room hold that amount of people for the, the whole day. So that's where that comes from. So we're gonna release the tickets um initially when I announce it to the people that bought them last year so expect Mm -hmm. an email um and i'll let you know when that's coming probably through social media and youtube so those people will get like a week or so to decide before if they haven't then bought their ticket within that period then we'll release them to to general general. yeah general and that's to protect the people that have invested in coming so it's Mm -hmm. i don't think we'll get all the internationals i don't know if you'll come this year um, but you made the effort to come last year, and so it feels like you should be offered the chance to come this year. And the reason for doing that is and I always say this every year, and I I always to me I sound like a broken record saying it, um, which I probably need to get over, but in the I I never know who's coming on the day. So and what I mean by that is I obviously know who's bought a ticket, but I invite guests like Andy Guyton, mm-hmm. um Andrew Morgan. Ariel, Pete um Nigel Knight. Uh, in recent years, I've been fortunate enough to actually get to know those people and have contact with them and be able to get in touch with them myself. Um, yeah. And so I invite them to the meetup and I, I always say, I appreciate you might not be able to come and you might not know till the day. And it's usually very likely that Nigel won't know until the day before whether or not he's got to work and whether he's free. Yeah, so you, you can't advertise it. So I can't say Nigel's coming. I think Pete Mellandrone the same. I don't know if Pete can make it. I didn't know. We'd spoken in the week about Brian, maybe donating some things to the raffle, which was absolutely amazing. And those things Pete would just throw away. Um, I think it meant, <laughs> the, world to, it meant the world to the people in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that, that was fantastic. And I, I, so I, I was told that those things would be given, it would get there to the day, but I didn't know Pete was coming to bring them himself probably until um, late on the Friday night when I got an email from him saying I'll be, I'll be dropping these things off. Um, yeah. Ariel I never know if she's going to come and turn up. She's always invited. She luckily enough is in the country this year and able to come um, and then the big one, the one we've all all sort of hoped will come one day and who pretty much in the podcast said if he was free would attend um, the man himself Dr. Sir Brian Harold May CBE <laughs> has said he will attend at some point now I I will invite him as I would do normally and I've been inviting him for the last six years um, actually <laughs> <laughs> now got um, um, contact with him in a way to get hold of him personally and so yeah. it's I will be able to say this is going on would you like to come i can't guarantee that he's coming so although it's going to generate people wanting to buy tickets because brian might be coming and i've already seen an influx of communications to say that to me oh if brian's coming i'd like to buy a ticket to the meetup i can't guarantee yeah. it and i don't know if he'll t- turn up this year or if he was just being nice or if it'll be next year or the year after. Um. Sure. and i don't i don't want people to come just because he's coming but also if he is coming then i want to say thank you to the people that have been so i think the pre-sale a a long-winded answer is i think we should pre-sell the tickets for the event to the people that came previously and then if if anyone else if i've got spare capacity i'll release them and let everyone know and then it'll be on a first come first sub basis we've got the ability to add in a um a waiting list and so we can do that this year and then if people are unable to attend then through me i can then go to the next person in the list and and do that that way
1: i I think that's only fair and i mean i think um i think you 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 have the regulars who who will show so i think it's 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 fair to them to to be able to do it um i think um like you said the kind of international people uh, i mean speaking about my own um it was a little bit like trying to get people to come here from England. It's like, there was a time when international travel, you know, across continents was a once in a lifetime thing or once in a decade thing, not every year. So uh, completely understandable, but for your regulars, I think, yeah, yeah. I think you got to take care of those people. So perfectly understandable. I did wonder if you could put it out to two days at some point. Cause like i thought there was so much gear that i definitely didn't get to see it all and like it, it could almost be a uh, car show or like a swap meet where you just look at gear all day and talk about yeah. gear all day and then the next day is demos and and uh, discussions and
0: things like that but that's a big <laughs> commitment <laughs> well it's it's something we've talked about and yeah again we've considered lots of different things and we've considered different venues and scaling it up. Um, and I wouldn't say we'd never consider it, but at the moment with the size that it is and the number of people that come and the number of people that we can hold in the current location, how we do it is is probably how we're going to do it. We could potentially hire the hall for the, the Sunday, mm-hmm. but... Do you then leave all your gear in it overnight, or do you like set up, take down, set up? Um... Well, that's what I thought. I thought you'd have
1: all the gear set up the first day, take it home, there to to the hotel, or whatever, and then the second day would be just the uh, the required gear for for uh, the band section, things yeah. like that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just an idea. It's like at some point it will get. But I think you'll know. I think I think the, the, based on the based on the the. Uh, the amount of emails you get it's like well if we're getting 500 emails <laughs> about yeah. people asking for tickets maybe we need to go to a bigger hall
0: yeah and i think we'll naturally know and I, i'm always keen to keep it as the community spirited sort of people focused event that it, it feels like it is um so it's more to me it's always more about the people that are coming rather than the gear that they're bringing and i think yeah yeah without i don't mean this in a nasty way but once you played a guyton, you played a guyton and it's i mean i love playing mine i would never <laughs> ne- never not I play love it playing I, yours. yeah but it's yeah and you can do that at the meetup you can't i mean that's the other good reason for me to you can't buy these things you can't go into a guitar center if you're in the states or no. into a local guitar shop and, and pick one of these things up they just they don't exist yeah you might find the odd place with the bmg but that's a different experience playing than Something with the correct tremolo and bridge. Yeah. Um, so at the meetup, you can, and treble boosters, no one sells treble boosters apart from online. And if you were new into buying this stuff, you can wait till the meetup, go to one, find out what a guitar feels like, AC30 to a treble booster, hear it, get to experience it, and go, that's the thing for me, or or not. Um, yeah but i mean because w-
1: within five or ten minutes though kind of like you're saying i mean if you picked up a guy you picked up a, a guild or, or a bmg or a homemade you can kind of go okay like within my price range this is the thing i'm going to shoot for but then you yeah. can actually play it you can uh, i mean th- there's some amount of like a free play section where you're letting people mostly the new people because everybody at some point will have done it and you go okay I'll let somebody else play yeah. and uh you get those people going Okay, here's what I need. I need a treble booster, I need an AC30, probably need an attenuator in my house. But which guitar? And then if you can kind of see them all, it's like it's very, very helpful. Cause if you're if yeah. you're an obsessive person, who I think everybody in this group is, uh, it's nice to be able to just touch them and go, This will do it for me, and this one yeah. won't, or this is too expensive, or whatever it is. And it's 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 just looking at pictures online is one thing, and then seeing them is totally a different thing. So
0: Definitely, and it's yeah, and you get to experience it all, so you can you know Rustin's feels different to Nitro, for example, and yeah you can yeah. see it and smell and how much it and, does that matter to you, yeah, and you yeah. can actually pick it up and go, "I like the way this Rustin's feels, or I don't like the fact that three of those homemade guitars have cracked Rustin's, or um <laughs> Or whatever it may be <laughs> I so, do wonder you know,
1: if Brian knows how much like pain he's causing people with rust <laughs> yeah
0: but I always get back like Brian didn't have any problems with it and no no oh. but but but
1: it's just one of those things to kind of aspire to anyway so yeah
0: my guy doesn't have any problems with it and my homemade doesn't have any problems with it mm. so my experience of doing it is yeah it's all right yeah yeah
1: <laughs> um, I think that's with everything but...
0: yeah But yeah, you get to check all those things out and and see them firsthand and hold them and smell them. And I think smells really important um, thing that we don't talk about. And I love the way this smells. It's random, but (laughs) so (laughs) in
1: short, come to the meetup, hold and smell some guitars. Yeah, and come next year.
0: Yeah, definitely. But um, (laughs) yeah, and then there's like there's something else that might be happening on the day that. Would be really cool if it if it pays off, but I won't say because if it doesn't, then no one knows, and um, we can just continue <laughs> as normal. But there's some some good plans for this year, and some good people hopefully lined up to come. And you know, so i say your this, pennies and your dimes away. Yeah, well I I say this to the meetup guys as well. The the f- frantic five is if none of the gear turned up and just the people turned up after you've been to one. I think people would have just as much fun. Yeah. As they did with the with the guitars and as long as we keep it focused on people and individuals then I think we we won't go far wrong with with how the day goes because it's about how you experience it. It's yeah. just fun. And it's yeah, it's
1: Yeah. I mean my 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 takeaway from the last one was uh I mean the the the, the, the actual day was over the dinner was over and then like the next day everybody was leaving and I was like yeah, I barely spoke to Mark Reynolds, and like we used to talk over the forum a lot. And I was like, I'm gonna go find Mark Reynolds. <laughs> you know? And it was like, luckily, I, I still got to actually talk to him, so it was nice. Yep. But it was uh it, it wasn't like you know what I didn't touch and smell yeah. <laughs> was this treble booster. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, but it's, and and I think that proves. The point. And you could smell Mark Reynolds. Yeah. Well, you could do. I don't he doesn't like it too much. You have to ask him <laughs> first nicely. Well you have to ask everyone, but that's fine. Yeah. He takes payment and sixpences as well for it. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't, don't do it. He won't be very <laughs> happy. Um but ask. Yeah, no. But it it's a good point, Luke. And it is you people you're not searching out, you know, you you do go and look for the Guyton time what because it's there and you know it's there and people would come up to me and go, is, right, if I pick it up, like, you crack on and do what you want with it. It's, it's, it's a guitar. And they yeah. pick it up and play with it. And then they come back and talk to you about it because they're interested in you and what your experience with it. And they go and find Andy Guyton and talk to him about the process of building it. And So the, the gear is quickly superseded by the individuals. And this stuff, because yeah. it's not mass produced, it's definitely more about the person that built it and the skill of that person to build it and whether it's oh yeah yeah something built by a professional or like yours and your background that you built that we've all been able to see your videos on actually it becomes more than especially i think maybe it's a little bit different if you haven't but when you have built one and you know what goes into it then look at a room full of them and then be able to go and look at the joins and go how the how did you do that so well and yeah you your respect is for the person that's done it not the thing itself even though the thing is right. usually fantastic and beautiful and and anyone that's built one has gone through a lot of pain and suffering to get to the end goal i think mean, you just build up respect for for people's craftsmanship yeah, exactly
1: and... that was i mean partially the reason i, I built mine well partially it was because i really wanted one and i couldn't find one so you know you and i share a motto or the closest thing nearest to a motto is uh, yeah. you can't find it. You should make it. And yeah. and we both did. And, um, but I considered it kind of like red special university. Cause I was thinking, I want to actually know why certain decisions were made, you know, and uh, um, why is this thing here? Why is this thing here? And then I, sometimes you, you're you actually in there putting things together and you're like, that's why that's there. And that's genius, you know? And, and so like you said, it doesn't necessarily. I mean, it does make you have more respect for the item, but when you pull out of that, you go, "People that built this thing <laughs> are amazing," and it gives you so much more respect for, um, for, obviously, for the for the home builders who worked it out. But for Brian and Harold, I mean, uh, th- th- there's something to the 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 sonic quality of it, which everyone will say no one sounds like Brian May, and yeah. at least some percentage of that is the guitar. And then there's the engineering behind it, which we all know and all love. But then, when you look at that thing, um, it's really easy to mess up a guitar design. And oh. they've really done something really well from just a design aspect. It's like it's it's really incredible on all sides. So it's I still want to know more about what's <laughs> how we got there and how we got this well, thing.
0: I think those would be the questions if I if I was ever lucky enough to get to speak to Brian again would be to talk about what always amazes me. And I completely agree with everything you said, Luke, but what's fascinated me with it is I started this journey when I was 17, so 21 years ago, which seems far too long to have been doing this <laughs> because I'm only 18. So yeah. how can it's that twenty-one years year. run? Yeah, but, but I studied to become an engineer to begin with in my career. Um and, engineers generally look at how things work and making sure that they go together really well and that they're structurally sound and stable and do what they're meant to do we don't always consider the aesthetic or have an eye for making things look right this is a thing of beauty is the, the proportions of the scratch plate to what you can see of the body of the guitar perfect in my opinion and i know that's because we've looked at it so much but taking away the fandom of it and looking at the the ratios of space and yeah the curves and how they've managed to it's not an easy thing to do and there's professional guitar companies that release guitars that have people who are expert in this with all these years of experience and all these previous guitars that have come out that don't get it right today And we're talking.
1: And also, you've got people still copying the Stratocaster design, the Les Paul design, Telecaster. There's there's only so many classic guitars, and that's one of them, and it's the only one.
0: Yeah. And then you go back to was it an engineer and a design student, like someone that's been doing design for it? No, it's an engineer (laughs) and a 16 year old kid put it together and designed (laughs) it. Yeah. I mean, that alone fascinates me and makes me so in awe of what Brian and Harold did. And then you go on the thing actually sounds amazing. It's really great to play. It's lasted mm-hmm. for nigh on 60 years now. It's been used yeah. and played around the world and he's used the same guitar every night, practiced with it. It's, you know, it's... It and you think of the songs
1: away. that came out of it. Oh. So it, it's just yeah, it's just these 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 different layers of the guitar, yeah. and then there's this other layer which maybe is kind of um immodest to, to to speak about, but it's partially the reason this guitar was made is because they couldn't afford one. Yeah. And when you think about that, like you know, a necessity is mother invention, and so you 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 can look at a lot of this stuff and go, why did they do that? And it's like because they couldn't afford this, and so they yeah. said, we'll figure out how to make one of those. Yeah. And i mean the thing that always comes to mind is the fingerboard yeah he wanted ebony they couldn't afford it so they just dyed some oak black out of an old coffee table it's like (laughs) it's like yeah that's amazing i mean it's it's the kind of thing i think you know it's hard to describe to other people sometimes but when you're a maker or you know you you try to make your own things whatever it is when you kind of see people's problem solving skill set it's 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 inspiring in that way because you can kind of go I I can kind of get their thought process here and I can apply that to other things and not just, I love this guitar and it's great. It's just, it's a, like I said, Red Special University.
0: Definitely. And it's just like, but it's happy accidents as well. So they couldn't afford the ebony fingerboard, but so they painted the oak black, but I actually prefer the black painted Rustin's feel under my fingers than I do playing an ebony, like a guitar with an ebony fretboard. So again, Is partially is that my because it's the red special and it's amazing, or is that because that's how I actually feel? Well, I actually think it's how I feel when I play it. And you find this mm-hmm. is really easy to play and quite quick and it lends to certain things really well. But and those but it looks like a accents. piano. It looks like yeah. a piano
1: under there. It's like everybody whenever you kinda of, whenever someone says piano black, it's meant as a compliment, you know, because it's yeah. shiny and it's glossy and it's black. Yeah. And it's like that's that's that neck.
0: But it's they just got it so right and there are mistakes in it when they built it and if you studied it enough you'll know where they are and what i always think is a great engineer is or a great builder of anything it isn't what happens when it goes wrong or that you need to make everything perfectly but it's what you do when you make a mistake in order to rectify it and either make it make it something or do something with it or how you overcome it and there are some bits in it when you look through the original if you look at simon bradley and simon Read a special book, you can see where they've done something and tried something and then and then put it right. Some things that I only realized after looking at photos for 10, 15 years that I'd never seen before, and now all of a sudden I've seen them. Wow, so I wonder if they did, did that. You look at it and go, yeah, Of course, they did that. It's, they, <laughs> they've made a decision, and then now I've built one that makes complete sense. They used that as the solution because they've used yeah. that on everything else. So, yeah
1: well Sorry. but that's that's that that's the other side you know that's that thing is problem solving i mean um i never built a guitar before or really done any woodwork and diving into this was like um it that was my biggest takeaway was it wasn't even the fact that i finished it it was the fact that i learned how to fix my my mistakes along the way yeah. and like i now I, I apply that to everything you know something will happen it's like i can fix that you know and it's yeah. because i worked on that guitar It's like, that's what I mean. It's just, it's just, it's an interesting kind of, um, different kind of appreciation you get for it and for the people, people like Brian and Harold.
0: (laughs) But it's also, like you said, you know, you you build one and you've created a thing that didn't exist before Mm -hmm. out of some bits of stuff that you've had. And it's a long time it takes to do it. So it maybe dilutes the effect of having a pilot or nothing, buying some wood and bits of metal and then it turns into no, because you gotta something. you gotta bleed into it a little bit <laughs>
1: for it to come to life you know
0: yeah i remember cutting my finger really badly one day and then i had a meeting and i was like ghost white in the meeting <laughs> <So> it's <severely laughs> like <sliced> <laughs> severely sliced my finger um yeah you you come out of it with this whole like you end up with this thing that you've made that didn't exist before and you know every part of it and you know what you did wrong with it and
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But
0: you've learned along the way and you you really do have those skills then to think, you know, it's a bit like um, what I would say with, with talking to Brian, it's done the same thing as saying like, I built a guitar I can, and I made some mistakes and I've overcome them. I've now interviewed my hero and I feel like I can talk to anyone. And that's something I didn't yeah. have before I did that. And now I do. And it's, it's given me some more confidence to, to speak to some other people and and to approach other people I maybe wouldn't have in the past about. Yeah. uh, Just in life in general, really, not just for the podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, I I thought about this recently too, just for, for other reasons, but I mean, some people say, you know, don't meet your heroes, whatever. Some people aren't impressed by um, celebrity or fame or whatever, which I get, but I, I was kind of thinking about that recently. And I wonder if there is something to the fact that like the reason we we sometimes hold people on a different level it isn't because we just think they're great it's because we're influenced by them and because we go out and do things and i think you know creative people i think need influences and when you've got a big one in your life and you get to meet that person yeah it's going to be overwhelming at first but then once you um, you get through it like everybody says everybody's just people and it's it's 100% true but kind of until you've gone through it it, it's not it's not easy to, to comprehend it's also not easy to comprehend if you if you've never met someone like that um which is what i meant about my bookstore story which was yeah. watching people kind of just melt into their own face yeah. because <laughs> they're faced with that reality you know and it's like yeah i get both sides of it so
0: i mean i'd have been, i still i yeah no hundred <laughs> i feel like i've met him online so through zoom so i've had a conversation mm-hmm. with him so i think like if i met him in person it would be a different interaction than before um well, he's much taller yeah hello and i'm much <laughs> smaller than i look and <laughs> but but i think like that would help me with the conversation because we've spoken at great length but i still think i'd be a quivering wreck if i met him in person <laughs> I, yeah i in a way I'd hope to have met him to do the podcast and to be in the room with him. But in another way, I'm so glad the first interaction with him was through a lens so that there was that sure. little bit of protection and that shield around me. Um, I think if we'd been in the room together, uh, I don't think I'd have been as confident or as got, got to the point I did with the questions. I was like, I'm, I'm got to. Well, maybe, maybe it's a doing- thing then, but you know,
1: I mean, that's a that's the, that's the other kind of neat thing about zoom and, and this not a neat thing, but I mean, the um, uh, fortunate upshot from, from COVID and um, which is everybody's kind of been stuck in their own room and including Brian and the fact that the technology's advanced to this level that we can actually do this, you know, I, I mean, even Brian, imagine if Jimi Hendrix could just call him up on the phone. You'd still be like, I can't believe I'm talking to this guy because it's, yeah. it's, it's not hero worship. It's not whatever. It's just, this is someone I'd really like to communicate with, yeah. And I live in Phoenix, so I can't do it. But you know, through Zoom, you can do it. So it's 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 a fortunate upshot.
0: No, definitely. And it's um yeah, it's it was just just good. And you never know what's so going to happen.
1: So we're big fans.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. So we like um, the, We like Brian the, May.
1: We like Brian May. Yeah. Uh, we can smell treble boosters. So the the question I think you ask everyone. When did you first hear Queen?
0: So um, my first memory is I was at my nan's house. I can't remember when. I was quite young, I think. Um, I must have been early teens, like 12, 13, 14, around that age. And Wayne's World was on, Mm on TV and... I thought this is funny. I think my uncle quite liked when it originally came out. I didn't think it was when it originally came out because I'm not, not old enough to have seen it, but my uncle used to like it, so it was on because he used to live with my nan. And um, it, it was on, and the Bohemian Rhapsody section came on when they're in the car, and everyone knows it, and the head bang. And I was just blown away. I was like, what is that song? Mm-hmm. That's one, I think the scene just kept... Ca- Captured, like inspired me and one to really enjoy the film and to want to watch Wayne's World again, but two to try and find out what that song was because it, it just it was perfect. Like, yeah. And I think I spoke to my parents and said, or my and my sister. I said, do you know what song that is? And she said, I think it's Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen. And then I spoke to my mum and dad and said, this song, Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen. What's that all about? Where can I hear it? And I was produced a cream colored cassette that was my <laughs> dad's, which is really random because I'd never really thought my dad as listening to music until until I was given it. And he doesn't really listen to me. He does more now in later life, but at that point he was quite focused on pardon me, his work. And um I was produced this cassette, and so it's Queen's Greatest Hits one, or Queen's Greatest Hits at that time, and I had a Sony Walkman and i just listened to it day in day out going to school and fell in love with all the songs to the point where i knew like where how long to hit rewind on don't stop me now is probably my favorite song <laughs> of the whole album and yeah. i i used to get paid to cut the grass at home and i would have my headphones on my walkman and i'd listen to don't stop me now and I didn't know at that point I wanted to play guitar, but I knew I liked the sound of that guitar and I knew the music mm-hmm. spoke to me. And I'd be outside cutting the grass and don't stop me now would finish and I'd press stop. Okay. And then I'd know exactly how many seconds to hit rewind for to go right back to the beginning of the song so I could listen to it again so that I could visualize and make I don't know what the right word to say is, but to try and understand like where the song changed and when the solo was and, and understand mm. the the sounds it was that were coming from it. And it was I mean no prancing? it wasn't. No. <laughs> um but I don't think I was even necessarily inspired by the guitar originally. I think it was the overall combination of of Queen. And then you sort of you know 91 freddie died and that was in the news and they had loads of footage of him on i remember not really knowing what it meant because i was too young but knowing that something important happened and it was on the tv and mom and dad were sad and it was on loads of him at wembley with a yellow jacket on and yeah we talked about it at school and people would be like oh he's the greatest showman there ever was it's like i don't know what that means because i'm not old enough to know what that means and like how do yeah. you know that and he's like well my mum told me and <laughs> um <laughs> how do you know <laughs> um what's the sort of question you ask when you're young and naive like, how do you know that how, what makes you say that yeah like, that guy that died in the news that I didn't... so that that was kind of it bohemian rhapsody and then listening to the tape um and i used to like it's crazy I used to play a lot of basketball which I'm quite sure if anyone's ever met me I'm about five foot seven and a half and growing up I played basketball at school and I was quite good at it and I ended up playing from a school level I played for the adult team and then I used to I was asked to go and play for a team locally which I didn't do because of the commute um but that was to, to go into actually playing properly and I never did it but before I would play, I would listen to We Are the Champions and We Were rocking. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um,
0: Get and, up. Yeah, definitely. And it used to really, like, I think that comes from watching films that used it, that are influences, mm. um, not necessarily basketball films, but I think they use it in The Mighty Ducks or something, when they, those transformational scenes or something, or when they come out from, like, you watch the NBA and they come out from...
2: yeah. the the players
0: yeah Yeah. um i think they might have used um another one bites the dust on a tv show in the uk called gladiators
2: um, Mm and
0: when they used to have this hanging ring thing and someone would fall off and they'd play the bass line and another one bites the dust (laughs) and so it kind of like associated the music with with an outcome maybe Mm -hmm. or the music with a theme behind like a theme of life and so those two songs specifically used to spur me on and get me going before playing sport. And I became a bit of a ritual in the end to listen to it before, before I went out and played. Um, I'm sure it helped me because, well, it must've, because I always did it and I did all right.
1: Yeah. Well, music energizes you. It brings you up, you know, I kind of wondered, is there a song? I mean, I'm not going to divert from your story, but, um, my dad did the same thing. My dad um, saw that Freddie had died and he went out and bought the same two records. So over here, they were called something else. They're greatest hits and classic queen, but he had those and I was, I eventually like inherited those and that's how I got into it. But so I think we had pretty much the same track listing, but I wondered if there was a song on there or any you know later that like challenged your actual music, musical taste not just challenge it, but something that you actually grew to, to love, like where they took you on a journey, kind of um, putting you on the
0: spot. Yeah, it's a difficult one because you don't really, you've got to think back now and think. So. Oh, well,
1: if you're listening I, to the Don't Stop Me Now and We Will Rock You, you were kind of in that kind of 70s phase, yeah. I think. I started kind of at the later stuff and I went backwards.
0: Yeah. And then So I think as well, Luke, because I was younger when I first heard them and I only had that one tape and the internet mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't even around at that point. So I couldn't go online and search YouTube and go and download Spotify playlists for all Queen Songs and stuff that had ever been. And I was, well, I was earning money, I was earning like three pounds a week from my day job. <laughs> um yeah. on a Saturday. So there was no way I was going and I hadn't even considered that there was more music out there from Queen on this tape because how would I know and my parents didn't have Queen albums lying around that was the only Queen we had so I was really stuck with the Queen's greatest hits I'd say the one song that maybe made me question a few things but I grew to love and I absolutely love it now and the reason I say it made me question a few things is because when I was listening to it once on um, the school bus, someone nipped the headphone out and stuck it in and I got questioned, I wouldn't say bullied, but like, what is this that you're listening to? What are you listening to? Was <laughs> was yeah. the song Fla- was the song flash? Um <laughs>
2: oh, Okay. Yeah.
0: Cause um but it kind of made me want to listen to it even more. And it's it, I think, yeah. Yeah. And and then in, in later. It kind of life,
1: emboldens you into to kind of consider these other these other choices, you know?
0: Yeah. And then it wasn't until I was seventeen, eighteen, when I was was at work training to become an engineer. I actually dropped out of school or not school, but um I dropped out of college doing my A levels and my dad said, If you you know well, not do what you want, son, but you need to be in, you need to go and get a job and think of something that that you can use forever and i said i'll do a trade because the trade's good i always got a trade pretty good with my hands used to work with my dad fixing shoes and cutting keys and so if i learn a trade i've always got it no matter what happens um so i went off to to become a plumber and they said "No, sorry john your your grades are too high to be a plumber maybe you could be an electrician (laughs) um so i went off to become an electric an electrician really that's what i wanted to do but the company i went for like now you you come in the office with us and we'll Trained to become an electrician but you can train to be an engineer as well Mm -hmm. um and so i started earning money and then when i started earning money that was good because then i bought a guitar which was a black squire stratocaster thing but it also meant that i was at college um a day and a half two days a week one doing the apprenticeship and one doing the engineering course and it was staggered a bit so I i did a year of apprenticeship and then after that I started the engineering course. So I, I've been at college for a while doing that. But in the afternoons at college, I'd been put or in the whole day, I'd sorry, I'd been put with the adult learning groups trying to try and get me through my apprenticeship quicker because my boss wanted me to get that qualification and then do the engineering. So what that meant was I was with a load of adults and the whole day, but why they were there is usually because without being a disservice to them. They, it was their second chance at career they mm. were all become they were like adult apprentices so they were on a faster track course through because they weren't messing around because they all knew that this was their chance to to become an electrician and learn and be qualified yeah. and so everything was done a little bit quicker and a little bit less spoon-fed because it wasn't a bunch of 16 year olds that didn't know what they wanted right. to do and so i was in with these adults but in the afternoon they had to do key skills which is english math and science and fortunately i'd done pretty well at those at school in my gcse so i didn't have to do that so i was given a laptop where they were all on a course learning (laughs) online learning i was given a laptop and told there's nothing else for you to do john this afternoon but here's a laptop and um go and do what you want and that's where i went back to myself with the internet then in existence what guitar does brian may play Um, (laughs) yeah and happened across brianmayworld.com found the original forum there which is your black and red site found um a whole load of individuals there that i thought this is really interesting i found rs custom guitars in america who had sound clips
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: to the trisonic pickups playing through an amplifier and went with headphones in college and this is the sound this these people have got the sound <laughs> they've they got- it <laughs> how have they done that yeah. um and then of course you start reading it all and find out that brian made his own guitar and you're like "Well, oh, he made his own guitar and you know pictures on the internet weren't great that day and the, these sound clips mm-hmm. you know they took like five minutes to download for a 10 second yeah. clip so and sat there at college like come on um <laughs> and so you start to learn about it about that time the um, burns guitar was released in guitarists so i started buying guitarist magazines and simon bradley you were a catalyst to all of this by every time i was interested a guitarist magazine would come out with an article on something brian had done or yeah. you know, on how to play like brian or a new guitar and you a new bit kit or, or something that you put together so thank you for that simon um and yeah i went from college i was earning money i bought a black um squire strap pack from the local guitar shop and started teaching myself how to play some songs i think yeah. summer summer of 69 i bought one of those little books and a cd and taught myself to play summer of 69 which i was really impressed yep. with um at the time i thought like, oh, i've made it now i can play summer of 69 <laughs> that's uh
1: what else you got <laughs> yeah
0: you know i've now conquered the world um yeah and then I started learning Queen stuff and realized I was completely out of my depth trying to learn Queen mm-hmm. stuff on my own, and that this is going to be a lot harder than I thought it ever could be. And I was in a guitar shop one day, and it's one I would never usually go to in Exeter in the UK. It's, it's still there now. Um, and I was upstairs looking around, and I was like, oh, I don't like this shop. They don't have anything Grand May related in here, they don't sell box amps. So it's what, what a rubbish guitar shop. <laughs> but they had all these books on guitars, um, guitar players like the um, learn to play like yes yeah, I've yeah. been through and they did they didn't have Brian May but I did turn around and notice that they had um, this like rotating shelf with vid- VHSs on some videotapes for those youngsters it's a proper mm-hmm. tape and they had a Brian May Starlix VHS and I think first time ever in my life i just picked it up didn't even look at how much it was and took it over to the counter and bought it (laughs) yeah um this is coming with me this is this is mine now i don't care what this costs um yeah and took it home excitedly to plug in um and my life was changed forever it was yeah i i just remember watching it in that first the starlix intro Mm-hmm. Ding, and how he was sat and the guitar and how it looked and yeah it was just like one you could see how homemade it was um which I'd always thought it was like this pristine thing from the, the photos I'd seen and the the video footage from like Wembley where and bearing in mind I, I didn't have the Wembley DVD at that point because the Wembley DVD didn't exist because DVDs didn't exist um yeah, so I was able to watch this vhs and actually hear what he was doing and i remember like watching it all without a Mm -hmm. guitar and then like i need to make some notes and getting out an a4 (laughs) pad and like a homemade guitar treble booster Um, (laughs) japanese sweater um, yeah (laughs) you can't yeah i end up making those you can buy those (laughs) exactly Uh, Yep. um (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's because of that that's where that came from that's because i always I, you it's, know i've been searching for years for that to,
1: yeah like programs you you know you, you it's just right at this age i think where your brain is like forming and it's a little soft and things are getting in and they just kind of implant themselves and it's yeah. like i had the very similar experience that starlex video was like well used
0: yeah And then, of course, I had my black strap, so I was able then to sit down and go, right, I haven't got the guitar he's got, but I've got a guitar, and I want to play Queen songs, which I've already realized are horrendously difficult. Let's sit Mm -hmm. down with the VHS and see if I can learn anything. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I wonder how your experience
1: compared to mine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it was long-winded, and it took a long time, but it wasn't too long before I could approximate the tie your mother down solo. um yeah and again i would i think i although you got a little book with the tab in i didn't actually think that that was completely accurate so i ended up drawing outlines of tab in my a4 notepad and writing down what i thought the tab was and then listening to it again and that's not right and scratching it out and redoing it and then i would take that that i'd written and write it out properly and i would sit yeah. in my room with the tab i'd written and play that until i was happy that i was doing it and then i would listen again and go oh. so he's actually when he's doing the pull down he's, he's grabbing the string beneath and you can hear that little bit of that yeah. so i need to, to try and do that and yeah i just spent loads of time with that vhs with a strat the guitarist magazine came out talking about the burns coming out and i phoned up and i ordered one and that was the most money i'd ever spent on anything in my life um <laughs> and and you had to you, you know i think i can't even remember how i paid for did i pay and i paid for it over the phone which is really something my parents had never phone people up and give them your the card details so i was <laughs> yeah. being a bit bit against that and then i wanted to buy a treble booster and greg fryer had released the the blue treble booster with the knob on it the touring booster and i think because that had been released so like, that's a treble booster i'll buy that one and then yeah and then I bought a Vox AC30 TV with the green speakers because the TBX was too expensive. I bought a brand new, um, and that arrived and I didn't have a trouble booster, but I had it and I turned it up a little bit and I was like, wow, this is loud, but <laughs> <laughs> in yeah. Brian May mode and obviously not knowing what I was doing with my, my strat at that point I was like, this sounds horrendous. And then the, the burns <laughs> arrived and that was a, that was a moment opening the case up and being like this is amazing and then um yeah the treble booster arrived and it all fell to place i just couldn't play it very much because one i couldn't control it because my guitar skills were horrendous and two it's just horrendously loud so i couldn't really do it when anyone was home um
2: yeah
0: and slowly you get used to doing it and then i think i bought a Weber mini mass from the internet Mm -hmm. shipped from the estate seemed to take like three years to arrive it's probably more like two months (laughs) but And then I yeah. was able to turn it down and then yeah I just kept playing and going until I thought that I sounded similar enough to to what you would hear on the records yeah um, which seems was like a long any, time
1: was there any uh musical influence from your family Did anyone anyone musical in the family
0: so my granddad used to play trumpet in several bands um mm-hmm. I'm told and but we never really spoke about music. But my sister, um, Michelle, she was a fantastic pianist, and she was like grade six or seven saxophone.
1: Mm. So
0: we always had music in the house being played. She also played a bit of guitar when I was younger, um, classical guitar, but never anything really too, too fancy, yeah. more intricate classical stuff. So we always had a classical guitar in the house that was hers, but my mum i don't think really played an instrument and we'd done stuff at school like playing the triangle and the recorder and all of that rubbish that you do that's no use to you i mean playing the piano is useful (laughs) but i don't think i've ever come across a situation where i've gone i know what i need i need a recorder um (laughs) what do you want to um, play that celine dion song yeah you need that recorder that's what they were using yeah so not really (laughs) it's just more of like a self-discovery thing i think I just liked it because it was that Queen, the Queen, the Brian May sound was very organic, but quite electronic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And I think the the DT helps didn't know about that too much back then when I was reading about it all. And Did now you I learn don't...
1: all that stuff from Simon Bradley?
0: Um, no, the more the forum, I think. So yeah. the old school forum, yeah. People like Mark Reynolds and matt hutchinson um I'm trying to think of some of the other names now, so I don't not name drop people but um and lots of other people that I've mentioned already and and whatnot were on there and it, we used to have long discussions about what he was using and then similarly to you, I think I wanted to find out a bit more and rather than rely necessarily completely on what other people said. So I phoned Pete Cornish one day um. <laughs> i think i was trying to order a treble booster and i phoned up and I was like said hello pete cornish i was like hello pete you don't know me my name is john until i'd like to buy a treble booster." so i'm about to make some in a few months can you wait some time and i was like yeah i can i can wait how do we do this is so you send me a sure, check no problem this?
1: i'll wait for no problem
0: yeah. <laughs> you don't know as a young kid are you talking to do you and so that's no, true and so yeah i ended up he's like and who are you and I said, i'm i john underhill and i'm just getting into all this queen stuff and you know queen are going on tour again soon he's, are they i must update my page with some queen information which was <laughs> where that comes from um and why that's on there and then he said like, thank you for telling me that um so what do you do then and i explained i'm an electrical engineer and i'm doing like big industrial installation designs and stuff I used to work with my dad who was a shoe repairer. And he said, oh, I've always been fascinated by shoe repairing. So he asked me loads <laughs> of questions about that. And then he said, oh, my dad used to be a violin repair man. And so we were talking about like the techniques that his dad would use repairing violins. And you know, I was talking about how you repair a set of shoes, like the sold shoes where you take the stitching out and then you replace the cork and then rebolt them and whatnot. And we spent an hour, like literally I was on the phone to him one day for about an hour and a half talking about how to repair violins and how to repair shoes. Um, I'm sure I was just wasting his time and not letting him build things, but he seemed to enjoy it. And then, so he stayed in touch a little bit. Um, But I found out some things from him, which were really interesting about Brian's signal chain and um, some of the work Pete had done on the red special, which is on the page on his Pete Cornish website,
2: Mm -hmm. replacing
0: the jack socket and building what he thought was a DK amp, but isn't is another little recording amp that he put together. And then some stuff he used to do to the AC-30s, because apparently the um, the explosives they used to use on stage would be quite close to the amplifiers, and they would basically blow the cones of the AC-30s, wow. which is why Brian ended <laughs> up, partly one of the reasons why Brian ended up with so many, so Pete ended up reinforcing the cones on some of them with some mesh material, Um so that when the explosions go off they wouldn't they wouldn't damage the ac30 while they're on tour and Mm. be unrepairable when they're somewhere in the world and so then Mm. you start realizing actually there's lots more information out there than than you know and maybe the best thing is to start speaking to people not because you don't trust what people are saying but if people haven't asked questions maybe those people haven't answered them and maybe those people have n't even been asked those questions, and maybe, yeah, like most people, memories fail, and you need to actually go and speak. To most,
1: yeah, I and mean, false memories get planted and stretched out, and yeah, I mean, it's good to talk, get it straight from the horse's mouth, as they say. So that, yeah. So, what was the first album you bought um, on your on your on your
0: Queen journey? So I think it was probably A Night in the Opera. Or a day at the races. Yeah. It's probably a day at the races. Definitely a day at the races. I think I probably bought. You used to be able to go into a music store and you could buy CDs. And I at one point owned every Queen song on every Queen album on CD. And
2: yeah. I think
0: it was a day. I think I I went for a day at the races because I preferred the black um black cover and the design yeah. on on there. And it had tie your mother down on. And I think because I'd been learning the solo, I wanted to listen to the rest of the song. Because yeah. again, the internet was pretty, pretty naff back then. Yeah. And so I wasn't a case of Brian's played all these solos and I knew the songs they were from, I hadn't heard any of them. I was learning the stuff on Starlix, but he's like, and here's that little bit from Liar. <laughs> <You're> like what? <laughs> what? I've never heard that song. What's this song? Liar. I, I Jesus. learned to play this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I learned to play the stuff, not knowing what it was from. And then, of course, yeah. my interest was, let's go and find where these songs are and listen to where those bits are. And so you realise yeah. the significance of the parts he was playing or not in Starlix, And then you go, right, well, if I want to I've learned to play this solo, I ought to learn the song that goes with it so I can play the bit that I yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so I really started off there with Tie Your Mother Down, and I love it. Yeah. I... The intro to that song is just, and it's a shame you can't do it live. Yeah, it's just <laughs> cool. I remember sitting there listening to, I've like, been really excited with my headphones on, listening to. The, I was like, finally, I get to know what this, where this solo's from. And yeah, that starts, and it's Queen's great at doing what Queen do and getting you excited, and like, yeah, uh, music. Yeah, you know, it's so of music, so important. We could talk about that for many hours, but. Yeah, and then finally listening to the song and then going, oh, there's the solo, and then going, oh, crap, there's a whole load of more stuff and it sounds like you're doing something I don't know how to do. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I remember um, that from Starlux, too, of just going, wait a minute, you only gave me, like, half of this soul. (laughs) (laughs) Now i got to figure out the rest of it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. Um, So, yeah, it would have been a day at the races and then I would have gone back to a night of the opera, I think and then started to buy more albums and probably ended up just collecting them because going this cd shop has three of them that i don't have yeah and again you couldn't order off the internet easily back then so it wasn't a case of going on amazon with 200 quid and buying all the cd's it was i have to go to a music shop and buy the cd and if they haven't got it then i either have to order it or i have to go to another music shop and Yeah. They might not even have a Queen section or they might have just sold it. So I remember buying Flash. Um I was in Reading and I bought it when I was at my sister's house, who was living in Reading, and we put it on and listened to the songs. And yeah, it's like um listening to Arboria, the Dale's love or whatever it is, the love (laughs) song. (laughs) It's just like it's a it's a little difficult as
1: an album for your for your first time through. Um yeah, because you, you don't know what to expect. I mean, I, I remember having like a VHS tape. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Magic years, the, the, that like biography yeah. thing. And um, they start talking about Highlander and the Highlander theme song comes on. And I was like, I need that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sound, you know. And uh, then I got I got that album and it was like, yeah, it wasn't really a soundtrack. It wasn't a score, whereas yeah. Flash is a, is a score. score. So when you yeah. put that on, you're not necessarily like getting, you know, songs in the same way as all the other albums. Yeah. Cause like I did the same thing. I got to Flash and I was like, huh, <laughs> now I need to watch this movie, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, definitely. And that's um same thing. I, I'd seen Flash at my nan's house, not realizing that all of those cool noises and some of the stuff is yeah. queen, queen music. And so I put this album on at my sister's house and it was almost like, oh, I've listened to this before. Not some of them I didn't recognise. <laughs> I've listened yeah. to this before. Obviously, I knew Flash. I didn't realise they'd done the whole score for the film at that point. And so then you go back and watch it and you're like, Christ, that music really makes the film what it is, really. and, yeah. and What an influence on a film and to have then yeah. written a film score and hearing this thing come through so much as well is... It's quite eye opening. And then I remember um like you, the the Highlander, and realizing that this most of the magic album is Highlander in some way. And I'd yeah. watch the Highlander because one of my friends, um a chap at primary school, oddly, had meant referenced Highlander when we were playing one day. And there's a chap called Jean-Paul Boulanger, um, who lived in near us, but he also had a home in Belize. So Hibb's family used to travel between Topsham and Belize every year. And he would be in hmm. primary school for part of the year and then they'd go back to Belize. He said, oh, I watched this film last night, which my parents didn't know about and they used they had to chop people's heads off to become the one. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool film. And then yeah. I, 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 I want to be the I, one <laughs> Yeah. So we used to run around not having ever watched this and go, if you chop my head off then you become the one. So like, can't wear a st- steel thing around their neck so that they can't have the sword chop it. I know, so, it doesn't work like that. So John, he told us about this film. and Then when I was a bit older, I had a TV in my room and it was on one night. So I sat down and watched it and I was like, this, this is amazing. This is, this mm-hmm. is the best. It's, it's got James Bond in it. And, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, as Juan don't... Villalobos from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: these guys don't die. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah and so again then the realisation that actually when you really listen to it like one vision's in it and obviously yeah. the Highlander soundtrack and there's lots of other Queen songs it's a kind of magic's in it and, and yeah you you just go down to listening to everything they've ever put together and thinking this is amazing um, I sometimes wonder if
1: filmmakers are like I'm going to make a movie so I can get Queen on my soundtrack and we'll just figure out a movie i don't know there's like people that fly and there's a guy that throws a football but we need queen to score the whole thing yeah it's like just an excuse to work with queen sometimes definitely
0: well if i was making a movie i'd be thinking the same thing so (laughs) yeah so i
1: guess when did you when did you um like single out brian or when did you single out the guitar when 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 was it like I'm um, going down this entire rabbit hole because I think there's something to finding the guitar. I think there's something to, um, yeah, the guitar is unique and I probably need that, but then all the other stuff that comes with it.
0: I think, again, it was quite young. So it's around the college time where I started reading the forum and I was like, you start reading this thing. And again, information, it wasn't like today. So it's not like, you can go on the red special forum and on the Facebook forum and go, Oh, it's a homemade guitar. And it, you know, you can quickly read like 20 posts and understand what's going on with it. You really had to find the forum and then dig deep and it was forum posts. So it wasn't like a feed that's feeding you and you like, there's no algorithm. It was literally spending hours clicking Just on trawling. yeah, and reading through comment after comment, after comment, after comment, trying to put this thing together. And so you start to get nuggets of this is a homemade thing. And having worked with my dad for most of my, from when I was about 10 or 11 in the shop, repairing shoes by hand and cutting keys and building things at home and making things to understand that this guy had built this thing with his dad was kind of unique and that they'd built a guitar from scratch Literally from scratch rather than like I knew you could buy like a strap body, it's whatnot from looking at the back of those guitar magazines where they had listing. You know, you used to open the magazine yeah. up and in the middle, there'd be a sender fold where someone, a company was mail order, like you could buy all these different parts. And um, yeah, so I, I was aware that that was different. And then the engineering questions came from me, it's like, oh, how is this thing put together then? Because it's it's been veneered so why has it been veneered why is the side veneer in the pictures that i now can see because the internet starts to get better different to the way i would necessarily expect it to be and why mm-hmm. have they done that and how's this and then i understood that it's blockboard because you read at block board so like, what is blockboard? so it's strips of NAFT and wood stuck together and sandwich so you start to ask the question how's it been put together and um, yeah. again you you start looking at it slightly differently then because you go well actually it's, it's two halves put together and read about that and then someone had drawn a visual visualization of how the knife edge worked mm-hmm. so that's actually pretty cool and again they made that at home that's you know if they made it at home maybe i could make it at home and yeah <laughs> um starting to go down that road and getting like excited about the thing and like telling my parents you know brian may made his guitar at home with his dad when he was 16 <laughs> they made yeah. it out of scrap and it's the an old fireplace is the uh surround the the neck and you know this is a bit of a bike and there's some guitar string." and they're like oh yeah whatever john whatever hey mom
1: don't we have scrap <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> so and i was pretty influenced by lots of things growing up films mainly, music, guitars. And so then I started to realize, you know, understand the, the guitar, but it suddenly becomes more than just the guitar and it becomes about the relationship Brian and his dad building it and the realization that actually that's pretty cool in itself, let alone, as we've said lots of times, all the things that he's gone on to do with it, and the music they've created. But actually, building it with his dad was pretty cool. And then, like, I talked to my friends about. Do you ever realize Brian May built his guitar? I'm like, I didn't care, John. It. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> just the guitar. Yeah. Um, and so then you start gravitating to talking to people in the forum. who have been inspired by it too, and you end up like getting on the phone. I was lucky to go to the first original meetup and meet lots of people. But yeah. To answer your question, I think quite soon after realizing it was homemade, I just thought this thing's special. And yep. um, yes, it's the red special, with, so it's red and special. But I, to me, it resonated with it being something that they've made that didn't exist. That wasn't shop bought. You couldn't buy one, so it's almost like there's a rite of passage to getting one. At that point, you had to you had to build yeah. one because there wasn't builders yeah. out there. There was a few. Um, the KZ was around, but it wasn't the KZ Pro. It's just the KZ.
1: But it wasn't. Um, but it wasn't one of those. It was. Yeah. Excalibur it's this there's only the one of them and yeah Yeah. people have made copies of it but he didn't go buy it off the shelf and and, I mean that that's the really kind of incredible thing it's like any of these great guitar players I mean uh with the the exception of Eddie Van Halen but not to anywhere near the same extent I don't think it's just just the amount of time that went into just kind of you know creating your your instrument your your weapon to go out into the world with it like from scratch it's like that's just a different level. And and it could have not turned out. I mean, I think yeah. like the Edge built a guitar and they were like, You should probably buy a guitar, <laughs> you know? And like Tom York from Radiohead, yeah, because of Brian, he built a guitar. And same thing, like his dad was like, We'll buy you one. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to for it to turn out as well as it did, it, and for him to have done what he it did, it's inspiring. And and, and yeah. I think that's why we're still talking about it.
0: Definitely. And so I think but that. that- it's like that whole thing hit me as a young man trying to figure out who i was yeah. and so then i did my usual thing of if i'm going to do something i'm going to do it completely so i went out to try and accumulate all of the stuff without necessarily knowing that i didn't need any of it and i did what everyone does and i bought the cheapest of everything to start i didn't have just said i bought a fry treble booster in the 30 but I then went off and bought some other cheap stuff to go with that, and then sold it, and then bought more expensive stuff, and then got pretty fed up with it all at some point in my life, just through what I was doing at work and relationships outside of work, and um, I canned guitar playing really, and went away from it all, and still listened to Queen songs and still loving Queen and the story of it, but I think because I ended up in a place and I'd been following this. I think I'd associated the two together and I just need to break from it all. Mm. And then I met Vicky and um, we got married and I think at some point after meeting Vicky, I'd said I played guitar and she said, well, you don't have a guitar something like this. And Well, I used to love Brian yeah. May's guitar and, you know, he built his guitar and she's quite interested in the story. I think she's humoring me because, um, how interested she was back then yeah you know what it's like (laughs) and so she she gave me the okay to to like get another red special and to start doing some bits and pieces and I actually played when we got married I we'd spoken to the band about me playing some songs with them yeah Um, I actually played in the queen tribute band in my early 20s for a year or two which we won't talk about um so I'd played with the band a few times and for a bit and so we convinced them that I could play and they learnt two songs We Will Rock You and um Tie Your Mother Down obviously and so (laughs) at our wedding Vicky knew dedicated
1: to your mother in law.
0: Yeah to the surprise (laughs) of everyone that was in attendance who knew me but didn't know I played guitar. Um I got up on stage and picked up a red special I had at that point which is a Corrado red special Hmm. played through a Vox A C thirty VR um, and absolutely nailed time Mother down, and we were Rocky a couple nice. of times through the night, um, which was pretty cool. And then sort of like again, I was like, "This is pretty fun, isn't it? This is this is pretty cool." I mean I probably ought to see what's going on in this red special world again. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That was quite good fun. And so I came back to the forum. It's interesting. I'm going to call him out on this now. Um, there was. Debate around the future of the Red Special Forum, and the, it needed an administrator or someone else to help. And I said, like, I know I've just come back, but I put my hand up and say I'll, I'll do this. And Lee Spate said, "I don't mean this to come across funny, John, but you were here once and you left us for four years. What's the guarantee you're going to stick around?" I thought like, that's yeah. a really good point. You, you know, it's a really valid point, Lee. I can't give you any guarantees, but I will try my best. I don't think I was asked at that point to do it for that very good reason. Um. And later on, then put my name forward again after I'd done a meetup or two, and now I'm the sole administrator of the original Red Special forum, and yeah. and there's some stuff going on with that which will be cool later on in 2023 where we'll we'll be doing something with that. But um, yeah, I then Andy Guyton released the um, transport, the Red Special transporter, in mm-hmm. two. I can't remember when we talked about them coming out. And I got really excited because it was new. So it was like, this is a Red Special, but it doesn't look like a Red Special. Yeah. Um. And I know from previous playing guidance that the next right, and if Andy's built it, it's going to be pretty close. And I was like, it's kind of like convincing myself that if I bought one, it would be like, well, it's not going to push me down the road of playing just Queen songs because it's <laughs> it doesn't look like it. And I'm quite small, so it's a smaller guitar and I could take it with me wherever I go. So I convinced myself that I should, Put my name forward for, for buying one, and it was buying that and getting it and going and collecting it, and then I was like, oh,
2: "It'd be it'd be cool to
0: to meet up with everyone from the good old days again yeah. in the room." <laughs> and that's that's where the meetup came from. So,
1: so we have um Andy Gaten and Vicky to to blame. Yeah, or to thank, depending on how or you to look at it.
0: I would say to blame. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, did you ever, um, did you ever write music? Did you ever play in a band of your own?
0: I played in a band as a Queen tribute band. Um, so we, we obviously played Queen songs. So although I can't remember how yeah. to play some of them now, I mean I can, but I don't play all the songs we used to play. I once learned the whole of like Wembley '86 in a rough way, not completely exactly the same because there were things I used to do to cheat because yeah. I'm near Brian May.
1: Um, I have had a
0: go at writing music, but I wouldn't sound very good at it, but only maybe because I didn't practice enough at it. And I certainly nowadays don't play as much guitar as I should do. Um, yeah, just through time really being full time employed, a husband, a father, and running a podcast, um, and yeah, meetup. And up i and trying to <laughs> look after some bits of the old school forums. So, yep. yeah, I've never really, I wouldn't say I'm a prolific writer of songs. I've got a few things I play that are sort of things that I put together, progressions that I put together that I'll go back to if I'm on my own. But um no, I, I generally, if these days we've got a piano now and the children are learning piano, so I'll sit down at the piano and bash out some different chord progressions. Nothing's amazing, but I kind of like where, yeah. it, where it goes. yeah Yeah, it's
1: good for the brain
0: yeah it's it's mainly just replicating what brian does really um yeah and that that quest to back in the day it was the quest to try and sound like him now it's to try and make those sounds at some point i'm sure i'll get back to trying to hold the guitar in exactly the same way he does because there's a lot Mm -hmm. to be said for where your thumb is and the angle of your wrist and how that affects your vibrato and there's some things I used to think about a lot more than I do now about that where I'd actually just watch his hands and then stand by a yeah. mirror and try and do the same things. Um,
1: I I remember watching him play and uh, I can't play the way he does with his thumb um, but I remember watching him early days and it was like the, uh, the one vision behind the scenes video and uh, my mom played guitar and she sang and she showed me the first couple chords, and um I was like, "What is this chord that he's playing?" She comes in and she's like, "It's a g <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like the way he did it. I was like, "I don't know how you get your fingers to do that, but I was like, you know but it, but it is it it is kind of strange like that influence because it's not it, to me it wasn't like mimicry it, well i guess it wasn't mimicry, but it wasn't um trying to copy him it was it was just watching his hands and going okay I need to be able to do that so how yeah. how is he doing it maybe that'll work for me and so like there there have been things I pick up like having your pinky up you know yeah keeping just for me it's I think of it as just keeping it out of the way of muting other strings you know yeah. and it's like there's just little things that like
0: aren't I don't know if I can do it with my other hand you know what I mean but it's a uh, it's yeah. just a weird thing but, no, and it's things that you I've spent well, the early days I'd spend now like literally probably because I had them but I would practice guitar one hour, two hours a day and I would be watching the videos of him playing, whether it was Starlicks again or whether it was some of the Wembley footage or A Night at the Bowl and I would be, I think on one of the Wembley DVDs there was Brian Cam, so it's like mm. one vision, oh, yeah. Just, yeah, just looking yeah. at Brian so I'd be stood, like, trying to watch and figure out what he was doing with his hands and whereabouts, like, well I knew what chord he was playing but you'd look from behind and you'd be like up here somewhere and like so how is he playing that chord up there? Yeah. What does what does that look like? How do I make that sound? Um and I used to spend loads more time these days I don't bother. I just play I muscle memory, it comes back. I mean I played at your meetup the first one, got up on stage and played some stuff and that was probably the first time I'd played in six years with people. <laughs> and but it's all there. Yeah. But and it, it comes back. It, it's not as polished as it was and you make more mistakes and i think yeah as you get better you just make less mistakes when in guitar Mm -hmm. um so all that it's still stored inside my fingers or inside my brain in some form but i don't think about i don't i don't necessarily set myself up for that these days when i sit down and play as much just because i think you were so time when when you're 20 21 and you've got a girlfriend you probably don't see them half as much as you did your wife or you might not have a girlfriend and you get home from work and actually you can spend two hours playing guitar and it yeah. doesn't really eat into your life at all. Um, right. there's lots of other considerations now like noise and screaming children <laughs> and yes. just clubs in the school run so i'm sure i'll get back to it but yeah it's mainly just trying to for me create that homage to brian may as, as best i can when i'm yeah back in the and day and to, stuck.
1: yeah and it's good to pass it down i think too because i i mean the the, the biggest takeaway i think from, from from myself doing the meetups was was the people younger people coming and going never thought i'd be able to hear you know three amps yeah. red special turbo in a room and um it's like yeah I, <laughs> i'm right there with you like yeah. I've I have three ms now, but that's like in the last couple of years, you know. Yeah. So it's like it's neat to be able to, um, you know, show show the young people that like it's something to it's something to aspire to and, and try to do, and it's fun. And I mean, speaking of gear, I think you've owned probably maybe every replica ever made. Mm, Is that maybe. possible? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> I it's mean, a few not to, on the to, list. Yeah. <laughs> Not to uh divert too far, but like um just 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 because you have um a lot of them. I mean am just I'm just curious like your thoughts, your general thoughts on different ones. I mean, to me, um, like I've said before, like the guild was always like the number one thing for me, but um anything is there anything that you miss? Anything you wish you didn't get rid of, I guess.
0: Um you got the things... guidance and you've got a homemade now. Yeah, and I think I've spoken a lot about this to you before, Luke. I think with me, a piece of gear, if I'm going to keep it, it has to speak to me and it has to have some significance to it. Whether that's something that's self-significant or whether there's some significance in it, I think it needs to speak to me in some way. Mm -hmm. And I say this without, like, if this didn't speak to me in some way, I wouldn't keep it. I would sell it. But when i pick it up it has what i feel is something that makes it a little bit different to the other builders and it yeah. i can feel it when i pick up a different guitar and that might be that i get used to the setup on this one where it might just be that it's in my head But it, either way it makes me play better and feel better about it but the, the difference is i think uh the noticeable things are the difference in finish when you mm-hmm. hold things, uh, um, all of us, our hands are slightly different and feel things differently and they sweat differently. And I think how your hand interacts with the neck, with on your left hand and how it feels is is really important. So I'd say on some of the red special replicas I've played, where it's not used rustins or it's used like a nitro or a, um, I can't think of what the other finish is called now. It gets a I bit sticky. Thing. Yeah, and my hand sticks on it. I mm-hmm. mean, um, I don't, I don't like that because it feels like I'm, like you can't move up the net quickly. Um, yeah. So that's that's a real thing. That's a tangible thing. And then it's things like knowing that. I mean, I'm really anal about this stuff, and I don't know where it comes from. Apart from it, I just want to have stuff that I feel is as close to the original as possible, but. I've had guitars that don't have the correct switch plate inside and it makes no <laughs> difference to how it Yeah, I know. makes no difference to how it feels and it's completely irrational but when I do take the lid off and open it up and it looks like the original it brings me great pleasure to know that it's it looks the same and it's got the same genre of switches in it that Brian's has got and the pot plate is in the correct place and has the correct um, capacitor posts and I've got a bulging jack on it and it, I think it becomes into slightly obsessive behavior then and it's something yeah. I try not to say don't get too caught up on because it actually makes no difference in how it sounds but maybe it does because it's how you feel about it but no so in answering your question properly the differences are really just how the builder does something so it's it's more the maybe the ascetic of how the joint is on the back of the neck or how they've done the the piece of binding under the neck heel or the how the volute is on the back and it's interpretations because those builders haven't necessarily had access to be able to measure the original. And, um, But having said that, I would say there's never a Guyton guitar I've ever played, whether it's a Red Special or any of the other ones that Andy's made that doesn't just feel awesome when you play it. And yeah, again, I don't know if that's because I think that about Andy's work or because that's actually real, but to me, that's a real thing. No, he makes um, quality guitars.
1: For sure yeah i mean i've been lucky enough to play a couple now so i can be an outside party to attest to that
0: <laughs> yeah and that's something that you don't you don't get you know it's one thing building a red special but then actually setting up to play really well is a completely different kettle of fish um altogether and making it an instrument that's usable and um, we can all you know make it look like the thing but actually making it usable is is a different skill altogether. my own guitar isn't as easy to play as this, um, it's playable and you can, you know, I'm amazed when I take it to the meetup, how people can make it sound, (laughs) but it's not as easy to play as this. Um, yeah, I really like the feel of the neck and how it interacts and, um, yeah, it's each build is slightly different and the the back of the neck is slightly different and it's the details I think that, that make it a difference. They're all much of a muchness in terms of a lot of them now have got correct sort of tremolo and Ron Smith's work has helped over the last few years certainly make sure that the parts are of a quality that I mean originally you can buy them you had to make them or know someone that made them and it was a nightmare um yeah now they're readily available which is fantastic um yeah I I think for me if I'm going to own a piece of gear these days I'm much more choosy on on what I own I think I've been guilty in the past of thinking this is the next thing's going to inspire me but actually that comes from within and it's if if something talks to me then it's and it appeals to my specific nature or of wanting the right things then I'm, I'm likely to keep it so yeah. and also I think like you know I've been on a journey to, for 20 years I really wanted to own a guyton guitar the guy in special yeah. and I missed out on the original 50 he made so when he mentioned he was making the time warps i said i've got to get one of those because it might be the last chance i get to own one and the fact that it's relic to look like the guitar from starlix which meant so much to me and on my journey just seemed to go full circle with it so yeah exactly although i've got the incorrect strap on today oh man i know i wasn't planning that very well this morning but um
1: and you yeah, know the guy that makes those straps.
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, what a guy. What a guy. <laughs> Two guys, actually. Father and son team building something to do with red specials. Quite nice. <laughs> and that's yes. great, to, great to work with my dad on a project to do that. And, again, yeah, we made these straps for the Guyton time wops together. And there's a video coming out about that where I'm going to sit down with my dad and talk about it. And we got some footage when he was doing it. But nice. it just to make 21 replica guitar straps took us two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it took us a month now because it's all done, yeah. but it took two years to replicate the original guitar strap. Yeah, um, And we did as good a job as we could do and everyone's pretty pleased with them. Mm-hmm. And Andy likes them. They turned out great. Yeah. So that was a whole other video on that, but that was fun. Yeah, so yeah, so do I. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so the difference, is, nice. yeah, the difference the difference of all the guitars is really in the detail, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think you've I kind of honed it. in on. I mean, like you said, you've got a good one. You've got you, you waited just long enough to get the right guy. Yeah,
0: through <laughs> pure, pure luck. So I, I've ended up getting rid of lots of things to help pay for this as well. Because um, I, when I look back, yeah, it's, it's great to have an eighteen thirty or an amp to play through to make the sound. But I think the story of the guitar and the guitar itself stands for so much more to me that I'd rather have the one right guitar and none of the other stuff than have <laughs> not the right guitar and the whole bunch of stuff. So
1: right, yeah, I can dig it. Yeah. So just to, to wrap it up a little bit here, um, what do we have to look forward to next on the podcast?
0: So we've got some You've got new the guests. big one. Yeah, it's done now. Um, well, I can't tell you everything, Luke, because some things need to stay soon. Oh, no. But um, <laughs> so a lot more of the same. So more podcast guests. I'm going to try this year and do more episodes um, and try and get at least one a month out if not a bit more so try and get more than 12 guests on in 2023 Mm -hmm. um working with andrek now so we've got some other ideas for some other bits and pieces we can put together just to go throughout the year to document dates and things that are going on with videos um we're also going to expand we did the luke timmons guitar rig rundown last year we might try and do a few more of those with some of the tribute acts that are in the country that Um, they're willing to just because they're good fun and it gives you a real understanding of of what's going on Luke's rig is fantastic but it's interesting to know what other people are using and how they're getting their sound Um,
2: Yeah,
0: and I think that's quite interesting again documenting things at a time and seeing seeing what people are using and then there's some reviews coming so I've been talking about this for two years Um, finally doing a review of this um, to to let you all know what I actually think about it, which I think is pretty obvious. I love it, but to have some bit more detail about what's on mine and some of the choices on mine and what the options were when you could buy them. And we've got a video coming about how we built the straps and some time with my dad. And then there's some other things bubbling along in the background that could be interesting <laughs> if they come off, but I never want to tell everyone what's going on in case it doesn't happen. Um, exactly. So you need to, if you don't already, to make sure that you follow the podcast on social media, and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you know when new content is posted, so that you don't miss out. Stay tuned.
1: Well, it's been uh, it's been a real thrill having you on our podcast, John.
0: <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. It's been a, <laughs> been a great.
1: We'll look forward to the next one.
0: Thanks, Luke. Cheers. Take mate. care. You too. And that was my podcast. Um, thank you so much to Luke Holward, our guest number one, for uh, agreeing to interview me. Luke has his own podcast on Sherlock Holmes and has worked with the Origins podcast, which also met Sir Brian Harold May back in the day. Um, so Luke is a great person and Luke hosts the us red special guitar meetup which is in the end of april 2023 in phoenix arizona at the linger longer lounge which is a mouthful to say but make sure you check that out luke thank you so much for um asking me all those questions and having such a good time chatting to you about my own story it's it's great to actually get it out there and i feel quite honored that people keep asking me to tell them how my story was brought about and what my own journey with the red special queen and how i got to making this most wonderful podcast for all of you. So it's been great fun to actually think about that and think about the twists and turns that came around and, and then get a the chance to talk to, to you about them. And Hopefully people will find it interesting um, and that brings Nigel back up to the top of the most requested list and then all of the other people that we have lined up for the rest of this year. And we've got some fantastic things coming this year, some really great suggestions, some great guests and some other content too which I can't Wait to show you that famous Guyton guitar review is coming, it's getting closer, so please stick around and that will be there. So make sure you like, subscribe, follow, and all that really, really good stuff so that you know when we post new content. Go and check out our Instagram page, which is growing, YouTube continuously grows, which is just amazing. And um, I just want to say a heartfelt, from me, thank you to all of you for watching, listening, turning up to the meetup, sending me private messages, sending me emails asking for things asking for content sending suggestions it really does mean the world that this small idea i had with luke as you've heard in the podcast has grown into something like this i never really thought that this would happen and i never saw myself as an interviewer or someone to to get the best out of people but i've proven myself wrong and been able to provide this and it's a great honor to be able to do that especially the source material is queen and sir brian may and the red special it's, an absolute wonderful honour to do this for everyone and um yeah. Keep safe everyone. Thanks very much again, and I'll catch you later.